Hello. I gotta get closer. Hello, test test. Hello, Eric. Hello, Mr. Eric D. Clark. Welcome, uh, welcome to this podcast. Yes, thank you, Frito. Good to uh, to have you here. Good, you're feeling a bit better now. Mm, we'll talk about that. No, no, no. Of course not. I'm just just saying. So, uh, welcome to Norway. Mm-hmm. This is your second time, right? I've been here once before. Always Oslo. Yeah. Yeah. The first time was to see um, an Annie Lennox concert, private. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was the name of that place? Kristallhalla? Kristallhalla? Uh, it's, it's a very special theater downtown. I would have to ask my friend again. But it was a... It's, yeah, it was only like 150 people. Oh, wow. wow. A very private concert. Wow. I think she was here looking for funding for her sing project yeah which is a project that is geared to educating women and children in africa in the prevention of hiv and aids and how to live with it if they've got it already yeah and it's called sing yeah that's all i remember and yeah it was great though she played she had like an electric piano on stage yeah and that was it. Oh, wow, yeah. The woman is... I mean, even... You know, you always... You can tell when you hear pop songs or pop artists that are really good. Yeah. That they have something. Yeah. But you rarely get to see them like this. Yeah. And she was just... Even if you don't like Annie you had to say, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, because she would do two or three songs, and then they would have these two Norwegian guys who were comedians come out and do some kind of comedy thing because it was, you know, it was... It's very, uh, I mean, a very uh, uh, stripped down uh, situation. Yeah, and it was fundraising, you know, mm. so it's mm. like you want to get the Norwegians, you have to give them something that they're familiar with. Yeah. Fine, yeah. no problem. And she seemed to live with it fine, but she did all of the, she did like a lot of your rhythmic songs, yeah. a lot of solo songs, and then you realize that she's done some amazing soundtracks too. Yeah. You know, and it was really just... I mean, when you get to see an artist like that without all the frou-frou around them, it was so nice. Bare naked. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Very funny lady, too. Great sense of humor. That was the first time I came to Oslo. Isn't that a a way to survive in that world, too? To just, you know, take it with good humor? Well, I mean, she doesn't have to have good humor because she's so talented. She could be Mm. a complete bitch if she wanted Mm. to. And you still wouldn't be able to argue with her, mm. you know. But I found that most of the time when the, when an artist is really, really bitchy, it's because they're insecure somewhere. Uh, I, I agree with that. Yeah. I see it in the, in the art as well. Yeah, I think also in visual arts yeah. as well. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, but then again, when you look at... The, that that hmm? insecurity doesn't necessarily need to need to be, you know, for a musician at music, but can just be a, you know, some other kind of insecurity. Yeah, it's it doesn't have to do with their, it doesn't always have to do with what they're known for. Mm. It can mm. be from somewhere completely other. Yeah. yeah. Which is, yeah. I mean, it's human, I would it's say. It's human, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Definitely. So, so that was your first uh, Oslo experience. Yeah, and we walked around a lot too, so I got to see the new opera house. Yeah. Was it finished uh, back then? It was just finished. Yeah, so what was it, 2000 and... Pear told me it must have been 2009, I think he said. Yeah. 
I don't I don't remember when it was finished. Uh, All I know is that he said that it was built as a as a um, as a kind of um, skateboard ramp. Yeah. And but the city won't let people skateboard on it. But it's true. You have different textures in the marble. Uh-huh. I mean, first of all, I've never seen Caras marble cut that thick. Yeah. I mean, it's usually about as maybe yeah. about as thick as this little microphone screen, uh, fly screen thing. Yeah. But that shit was like this, yeah. you know. And it's all. I mean, it needs to be. I mean. Uh, well, yeah. But I mean, it, but it yeah. Money wise, I'm just thinking. You know, that's a lot of marble. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of marble. And it's probably the most beautiful bathrooms I've ever seen in any public venue ever. Yeah. <laughs> they were great. I was in the bathroom, but my, my jaw was down to my kneecap. I was like, these are great. Yeah. I, I stay here. I'll stay here. Fuck the rest, exactly. But what was also really neat is you can look right into the costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. if you go room. around, yeah. You see, so see cool. the, the props and uh, where they make the props, where yeah. they do the cast. The and you can actually see them doing them. I think that's a very smart thing they did because I mean, people love, uh, love that. You know, love to see how it's made. Exactly, you know, especially nowadays with everybody thinking that they know everything because of mm. third-party networking, mm. which is nothing new. But they just gave it a new platform. Yeah. But you know, so people have this mistaken belief that they know something. When in all reality, you'd be surprised at how much is not out there. Uh, I think this interesting part with, uh, with for example, YouTube, where everybody else calls and oh, we have a platform to do whatever, and then you see, okay, you know, there's a million other people exactly the same thing. Yeah, so, well, with, I've noticed that here it's not so bad, but in Germany, for example, YouTube blocks a great deal of its output, yeah. musical output. Yeah. So. I mean, you have people who are disgruntled with GEMA and yeah. pissed off with GEMA in Germany or who are members of GEMA and, you know, use it. Maybe they don't sell records anywhere else. But what, what is GEMA? GEMA is like the Music Protection Agency, oh, kind yeah, of like yeah, SASM yeah. or yeah. SARL. Yeah. You know, every country has. There's yeah. ASCAP BMI in America, mm. you know. But GEMA blocks these videos by certain artists for whatever reason or... I mean, maybe it's because publishing, I have no idea. But all I know is this much. If you're an artist and times are tough and you are making your little 0.5 cent off of each click on your video, I mean, it adds up after a while, you know? And another another example of uh, uh, Iron Maiden, I think, was uh, that they they checked out where the Pirate Bay, where the people were downloading their uh, their music the most. So mm-hmm. they found out South America is, or Brazil is a huge yeah. downloading thing. So they went there to tour, made tons of money there. Right, right. That makes perfectly good sense. That's logical. I mean, this is I mean for a big band that's maybe easier, but if you're if you're a starting band, you know, it might be tough to to. Uh, well, no. I mean, if you have something like. For example, if you get yourself a pro account on SoundCloud yeah. or on the, these Reverb Nation thingies or Bandcast or whatever it's called, I mean, you can see where people are mostly interested mm. in your music. Yeah. Yeah. If you're with a music protection agency, you can see. I mean, I've never sold as many records in Germany as I have in Argentina, for example. Yeah. So <laughs> whenever some Germans come up to me and say, oh, I love that song by you, I was like, yeah, but did you buy it? Yeah. You know, because it's a press country. Yeah. 
they talk about it because they read about it. It's kind of like the same in the they, states. They don't. They don't listen to it. They, just they don't know. actually go out and partake in it, yeah. but they know it's there and they know everything about it because it's all written down somewhere. Yeah. But when you look at the facts, you look at the factors, you look at the papers, and they come in, yeah. and you see. Well, I mean, the number of people that stop me on the street and say this, that, or the other, come into a club and say this, that, and the other thing, and I look at the papers at home and realize, well, I know that many people on my Facebook page alone. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah. you know, and it's like, and you're not on it. Hey, yeah. and so what are you telling me, that you bootlegged my shit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for bootlegging, but uh, let me know. Don't try to pretend like you, uh, don't try to pretend like you're doing something different. Yeah. Let me know. I'll take I, yeah, there. Uh, I think you have a fair point there, because I mean, you you're not going to stop it, and and the pirating, you know, they they've proven again and again that it doesn't matter. I mean, the only people who really lose and who are pissed about it is the big uh, big record labels. But and they should be. I mean, musicians are fucked over by the record labels and double now because you know uh, because the record well, label I mean, you think taking it out on the musicians. Who was it? Was it we were talking about? Um, you know, I was when you came in. I was talking to my friend who runs Sweet and Low Music Distribution. Mm. And they've been talking to me for about a year and a half now about getting my label yeah. onto their platform and everything. And it includes, like, they get you everywhere. They get you onto, like, uh, Beatport and, you know, all these... I never even go to. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think I've downloaded music once. Yeah. Literally one song. And that was because I got a voucher from somebody yeah, to, uh, to do it. it yeah. And that was already too many steps for me. Yeah. You know, I go to those sites and I'll listen to this stuff. Yeah. And I like listening to this stuff. Yeah. Especially if I get a little snippet of it. When I go out to the store the next time, I'll pick up a CD. Yeah. Or if I know somebody who has it, I'll ask them to give me a copy. Mm. But I don't really do it on a regular basis. And I don't really have an overview. Yeah. So I'm always thinking about it, you know, maybe it'd be good for the label to have it everywhere. But then I signed up my label with a company called AWOL yeah. in England, which just got bought out by Cobalt, which is like one of English's largest, England's largest publishing houses. Mm -hmm. But they bought this company out from under the company, but they allowed the company to run itself. Yeah. So it's not like being taken over and it's like everything's changed and it's all going, you know, all No, I, uh, I understand the move, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so they did that. And, okay, I'm on like, my label is on like iTunes and Spotify and a few other things I think that everybody and their brother knows about except yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> that's enough for me. Yeah. You know, because first of all, I've never enjoyed any artists that flooded the market. Yeah. I've never been a par I've never been a purveyor of just releasing for the sake of releasing. Yeah. Like during, just to be out there. And I mean, these people who were doing this disgusting minimal techno shit for years. Mm. It's like, come on, there is no. That's one of the main reasons why the industry went down because they were just putting out anything. Yeah, just nobody yeah. had any quality control. They figured, oh, you know. And the other thing is that they don't have any respect for the science of record production. Yeah. And I'm talking about record, I mean, meaning vinyl production. Mm. Because there is a whole science to this. Mm. And it's a proper science that needs to be respected. Mm. You know, any asshole can go out and buy a SH-101 
or Korg poly mono whatever synthesizer keyboard drum machine yeah. plug it in and sure it's going to sound fine yeah but if you don't use the science i mean most of the people who are talking about the music that they love from the 80s or like the old school music yeah. they don't even take into consideration that all that shit was recorded on two inch tape yeah. yeah now if you don't if you don't respect the science of going through that medium, then your shit's gonna sound thin. And that's the yeah. reason why all that music has no staying power. Yeah. That's why these people put out a record and you can look at your watch. Three weeks later, it's off the charts. It's, it's gone, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, luckily, and I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I've been able to do music that has st- stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? think, yeah, that, that's what you're striving for. If, exactly. If you, you know, I think if you, uh, you call yourself a musician or you know, or a visual artist, in my case, or, or, or an I artist mean, in general, or, yeah, yeah, artist, 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 artist in general. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you want something that's going to stand out. But it's going to be there for a while. I mean, but it's also understandable because the forces in, in in society, you know, who 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 kind of just. Uh, run over you, you know, as as an individual. And not everybody can stand that. You know, not everybody can stand tall and say, "Okay, great." You know, every every everything is pulling me that way, but I I need to go that way. Mm-hmm. Not everybody can do that. Right? Everybody can do that. Not everybody chooses to. Yeah, fair enough. You fair know, enough. I mean, I could easily have said, I could have easily stayed in California, and gone to regular school and gotten a job and made music my hobby. Mm, yeah. That's what my brother does. Yeah. I have nothing against him for that. He's got a great job, and he's a damn good blues musician. Yeah. But, I mean, it's a hobby. It's a different for choice. It's a hobby for mm. him. Mm. And it's never been a hobby for me. Mm. And it's never been a job for me. Yeah. So, in that sense, no, I've I, never worked in my life. No, it's a, yeah, it is a life. It's, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a being much more than anything. Mm-hmm. I, I always have a hard time explaining this to people that, you know, that, that what 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 you do as an artist you know is not a job it's not a, it doesn't function and if it is a job then you're not really an artist no you're, you're <laughs> <laughs> but on the same you know what i said all these forces which are, are are pressing against you i mean society as a whole you know out of misunderstanding wants to put you in in that direction all the time right they want to understand hey how you're going to make money how you're going to uh, how you're going to make a business out of it how you're how you're going to you know, sell it. How are you gonna make a name for yourself? You know, instead of instead of asking the question, okay, what are you actually doing, and what are you trying to do, and what are you trying to express? And there's very few people that actually. I mean, unfortunately, when it comes to the arts, people don't. On the general tip, on the general quotidian tip, they don't look at it as anything other than some kind of, oh, you know, so and so went to art school. Or they're different. Mm. No, they're not. They piss and shit just like you and I do. Mm. Sorry. Mm. And they just have a different perception of it. Mm. You know, and there's nothing that should be... It's like no artist is greater than another one, I don't believe. There's just different ways of doing things. Yeah. You know? I mean, again, you know, the, the, the market mechanisms, for example, who, who tell, okay, this artist is worth uh, 10 million per work and this artist is worth five, five, uh, five whatever currency uh-huh. uh, uh-huh. work, you know. Uh, that makes all of a sudden that makes inf- inflate egos very well. You, know, you think, course. okay, no, you know, I, I sell, uh, you know, for higher prices or for more. And there's very few people out there that don't deal with that. I mean, Richard P. Feynman is very interesting because he quit. He was, I think, he was on the board of Noble Noble Peace Prize. Mm-hmm. It's just like, but what is that? I don't care about prizes. Fuck that. You know, mm-hmm. it's like 
either you do or you don't mm. you know once you get a you're talking about prizes and all this kind of stuff you're completely bystepping the purpose of what it is you're doing well you could also argue that that you know prizes or 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 any support you know, actually actually maintains a, a messed up system right well yes i mean that's not, not that they're the the, the the i say the reason for the system but they you know acknowledge they acknowledge the system in a certain way which which doesn't break up the system which doesn't you know it doesn't, doesn't change the system and it doesn't democratize the system in any way shape or form for a nobody mm. to just come up mm. you know it's like when you look at like things like the comparison between Peter Tosh and Bob Marley they come from the same group mm. all right but people could see because Marley was mulattoed mm. that he would probably appeal to more people than Peter Tosh would who was a bit of a militant and a little bit darker in skin mm. and it's true it, but ultimately there was no difference between what they were actually going for. Mm. It's just one let himself go one way and the other one stayed true to something that he thought mm. was something that he needed to stay true to. Mm. And unfortunately, the separation came from the public. Yeah. It wasn't... Well, no, not only the public, also the, I say, the, uh, the, the mechanism, no mechanism be behind bringing it out, you know, the record labels, the, the promotion. Well, I the mean, the before they got into any, before they got anywhere close to, like, when they were still just Jamaica-based mm. and still just the Whalers, I think that that wasn't the problem. The problem was when they started realizing, like most artists, mm. that they weren't paying attention to their business side. Yeah. And they got ganked. I mean, that's the one thing about Andy Warhol that I did like that he said, it's like good business is just as important as good art. Yeah. You know, and, and so when you think about it, it's very true. Because if you're truly a creative person, you don't want to have to be looking over your shoulder all the you time. You don't want to deal with all the stress involved of having a messy business. Exactly. Right? That's I mean, why I have lawyers and accountants and business partners. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't have to deal with that shit. Yeah, exactly. Because I know if I did, I wouldn't do I wouldn't be sitting here right now. Yeah. You know? Well, things things will fall apart after a while, right? Right. Because you, yeah, yeah. You have to do what you're best in, and 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 try to outsource, uh, you know, what you're not good at. At least be aware and try to do it as best. It'd as you be can. aware. Being aware is the most important. That's the most essential thing. Saying saying that is the most important because mm. being aware is like a lot of artists aren't, mm. and that gets them in trouble. Which which I think is bred for for a huge part, maybe also in the art schools, where you know where where. You know where they actually get acknowledged. Okay, you guys are special. You guys are different. You know? mm -hmm. Instead of saying, "Hey, you guys are the same. You just happen to do something which you know not everybody chooses to do." Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's also the way that people look at things. Mm. You know, the way a person perceives something can also. I mean, that's obvious. It's going to be like that because I think that a lot of a lot more artists than give credit for like the work of other artists. Mm. But they just bred and led to not do so. It's changing a bit now, mm. but in the seventies and eighties, it wasn't so much like that. You know, it was like, oh, I'm here. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like no, but in the seventies and eighties, well, in the eighties, maybe it came, the artist didn't have uh, as as I say the same kind of st status it has now, or the same kind of. Uh, market mm. value as it has now well right? the market value definitely went up and I'm not really sure exactly what that's attested what that attributed to but it definitely went up 
I'm not really sure as to why or how. I used to have an idea about that, hmm. but I can't remember what it is right now. It'd be interesting to hear that. Yeah. Maybe it'll come to my head again before the conversation is over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. No, but uh, yeah. So I mean, I, I, I've, I have a quite a problem with this with this economic weight on the artist, which actually, which actually, um, uh, not not because I mind, you know, not because I have a, a judgment towards it as such, you know, because as, as you said, good misses is important, but but uh, uh, it distracts a lot from from uh, I think. At least what I set out to do as an artist, you know, and what I think a lot of other people also set out to do as an artist, you know, and that's you know to figure out stuff, to to visualize things you you maybe you know can't talk or you can't can't find any other expression for than just this visual output, and 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 these these things you know are distracting in many ways. You know? Yeah, but I mean that's the, I mean that's one thing. That, for example, I've never had a problem with. I just focus on what I want to focus on. Mm and fuck the rest mm -hmm. until I'm ready for it I mean I like but to was this the same when you started out I've always, always been like that yeah. always been like that mm. even mm. as a child I wouldn't do anything I didn't want to do yeah. and I still good. don't that's a good habit mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's, I don't know if it's a habit or anything this is really like I didn't it's like I remember taking lessons and when I realized at the age of five or six that some of the music that my teacher was giving me wasn't necessarily it was it didn't seem like it was complete yeah and then i found out that it was like i this was a, a text in german on a book and i had went to a german kindergarten but my conviction of the language wasn't that good when i was six or seven no but it said für junge lute i thought it said and i thought lute was a lute But it meant Leute. Leute, für junge Leute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I figured this out years later, and I got so mad at my piano instructor. I ripped up the book in front of her. I said, never, ever, you bring me the stuff that's the real close. stuff, yeah. You bring me the stuff yeah. that's closest to what the composer wrote, or I'll learn it by ear. Yeah. Because I'm not going to play some kitty bullshit. Oh, it's a waste of time. Yeah, I mean, it was like, well, you know, you start here and then you go, oh, no, 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 no. You start at the most difficult thing. And maybe it takes you a lot longer to get there. But when you're there, you have exactly. a perfect starting point. Exactly. Instead of having to do all this in-between bullshit, which, which is just a waste of time. Yeah, and I mean, I was already reading at like a third or fourth grade level when I started school. Mm. So why should I take... And then when I was a teen, late teens and I was going to junior college, I didn't want to go to junior college, but parents made me go to junior college. Mm. And one of the things I had to take was music theory. And I'm like, but I've been doing music theory since I was five. Mm. And now the only difference is that I have to let some <laughs> old fat man tell me that I'm doing it right or wrong. Yeah. I'm like, forget you. Yeah. you know? And that's why I just walked out yeah. and never looked back. Because I figured, and also the other thing is they considered me to be a musical genius. I said, yes, only if you consider me playing other people's bullshit music. Yeah. I want people to play my music, so guess what? Yeah. I'm not playing anybody else's music. Yeah. I gave a piano, piano recital two weeks ago in Paris. Almost two hours, an hour and a half. Yeah. I don't think it was anything recognizable. Yeah. Anything recognizable. It was music that 
some of it was based on certain songs that might be popular or not. Yeah. But you really had to listen. Yeah, you had to dissect it to, yeah. to find it. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was. I can't say there was not a single wrong note because I can't say what was a right note. Mm. You know, but that's the way it should be. Mm. And anybody who was coming, I told people when they would start applauding, I said, no, it's not about that. You don't applaud when you get up off the couch. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And it's like, there's no reason for you to applaud me. I'm basically here okay. playing so I can eat for di eat my dinner for free. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just not totally true, of course. But at the same time, I wanted to put it in perspective. I didn't but, want... But it's interesting because, cause, uh, uh, you know, when people start clapping, it's it's a way of habit. It's also a way of... of Yeah, what do you else do if you don't clap? You know, how do you acknowledge the music? How do you do you? Uh, um, and I think a lot of people don't have tools for that. Right? No, it's easy. You just remember it, take it home, and think about it sometime. Mm -hmm. That's enough. Mm -hmm. I don't. Yeah, but you have to explain it. I mean, you have to tell them don't clap. Because yeah, automatically they will start clapping at the, you know, at the, and there was at, one at little end. girl there. She didn't clap ever. Mm -hmm. She was about eight, seven years old. But she did. If I ever paused. Mm -hmm. She would like look at me like, what the hell are you stopping for? <laughs> she had that look on her face. I was like, well, okay, I don't know what she's into, but I'm going to play something because when I'm playing, she seems a little bit nicer. Yeah. Wow. Well, and that was that's good. A, that's a great experience. She was my favorite. She yeah, was my yeah, favorite yeah. audience member. Yeah, I can see that. Probably. Yeah, she was great. She really didn't. She didn't. She was an anomaly. Yeah. Anomaly was. She was very cool. Yeah. But it was a great. It was a little restaurant. La Square Gardet, not too far from Père Lachaise. And lovely place, lovely people work, working there. And they have, I mean, a lot of people came out. I don't, don't think, they don't know me from Adam or Eve. We oh. announced it like three days before it was going to happen. Yeah. People, it was five in the afternoon, people came with their kids, yeah. you know, families and stuff. One family came a little bit too late, so they missed it. Yeah. So I said, okay, give me 10 minutes. I'll play something for you guys. That's nice. And they loved it. And it was really sweet. It was, you know, it was just nice to be able to share that with people. Mm -hmm. Without any, like, you know, without all the pomps and circumstance. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't like those when people play in restaurants and they start playing, like, you know, all the typical stuff. Like, yeah, my like way. Elevator and, music. Uh, I can't stand that. You know, it's like that's the kind of stuff that when you can do that and you do it well, people think you're a musical genius. Mm. Like, no, mm. you're a fucking jukebox, mm. you know, and I'm not going to be a jukebox. Uh, talking about programmed music, I, I saw this video this morning on, on YouTube of uh, five North Korean children playing guitar. It was so creepy. I should, I should maybe show it to you. If you want to see it, you're know, talking about about you know exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'll I'll not show it to you, but uh, this was this was the freakiest thing uh, ever. I think these were Korean, in North Korean kids. Mm. They were like, it's a very, it was watched I think over 25 million times or something. So it's a it's a known video, I guess. But uh, um, they were I think they were about five years old, or mm -hmm. something, and they were playing in perfect uh, synchronization and mood. It was so creepy. You know, this is, yeah, you become a, a, a robot. You become yeah. a robot. Right? Mm -hmm. And I refuse to be that. Mm. I mean, the only composers I ever liked when I was growing up were Chopin and Rachmaninoff. Mm. And Rachmaninoff is pretty heavy for... Yeah. I, I, love, I love Rachmaninoff, but... Uh, when I was 10, I did my, I did my, I don't know, some kind of a test. 
mm. on a ten page Rachmaninoff piece that I've never been able to play again since. Mm. But did the whole thing from memory, no wow. problem. Yeah. But could never play it for you. I can't even remember the air. Yeah. It's like his first or second yeah. piano concerto. And I think I just burnt myself out on that one piece. Yeah. As I said, he's pretty intense. I love him, man. Yeah. I love him, man. I love his attitude, the way he thought. Mm. I saw a documentary recently on him, with him in it. Mm. Beautiful way the man thought. Beautiful. Mm. He was so not your typical composer, mm. you know. And outside of those two, it was Scott Joplin. Mm, not too many modern classics. Mm. Like, I couldn't, I, I couldn't stand playing Sati. Mm. But I can listen to Sati. Mm. But either way, it makes me go to sleep. Yeah. You know, even if I'm playing him, I'll start dozing yeah. off. <laughs> and when music stops, I start again because, oh, oh. I'm playing it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I have to keep up with myself. That's right. Get something to drink. Um, you got any specific questions for me? Oh, we just spin it off. We just uh, let it roll the way it goes. I I I I prefer to construct these more like talks than interviews. Mm-hmm. I knew I had a cup bottle of water somewhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe some grapes. They look good. They look fresh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought you bought Maestro. That was my nickname. Was it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a kid. <laughs> it keeps popping up lately. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're right. It is kind of ugly, though. Yeah. Okay. So. Hmm. Well, but um, no, I I really enjoy Mahler. I was somehow did enjoy Mahler. Mm-hmm. I don't hate him. Especially especially the second symphony. I, I really I really enjoy. I have to admit, a lot of times when it comes to composers' actual oeuvres. Mm-hmm. The names I don't know. No. No. I'd have to hear the air, and then I would know it. But that's just. I think that's a defense mechanism. <laughs> you think so? I have the same problem. I, I always have a hard time remembering names from composers, but also from other artists and mm-hmm. just from anything. I can remember the artists, I just can't remember the names of the works. Mm-hmm. It was like last night someone was talking to me about. Mm. It was Dimitri from Delight. We are talking on the phone. And he was talking about Jean-Michel Basquiat. Yeah. And how at a point he had a factory. And I was never really into Basquiat. Mm. I never really thought much of his work. But then again... It was at a time when I didn't know a lot about modern stuff, mm. you know. Somebody's at the door. Huh. Who is it? Hello. No, thank you. Housekeeping or what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just tell them not to come in. I don't like housekeeping. No. Not when I'm in a place the same. Not when I'm in a place for a few days. Oh. They can come when I'm leaving. But there is one 
piece by Basquiat. Mm. I'm not sure if it's only this one piece or if it's a series, because I seem to have seen it more than once, but maybe it was studies until he got to the big piece. Yeah. And it's called Voodoo. Mm. And I really like that one. That was literally it. Yeah. Yeah. With everything I seen by him, that was the only thing I thought, wow. Yeah. Well, I, I I do think he's a good artist, but he never he never he never touched me more than that. Just you know, just a good artist. Mm -hmm. You know, he was. I know what you he, mean. He, he was definitely burning for his art, and you see, I mean, and, and and not only that, he also, I mean, he also had a lot of talent, but but just what he had to tell somehow never really resonated with me that that much. I can understand that. Mm. I don't really. I not really followed him that much. Yeah. Then, but it, 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 you know, we were talking earlier of, of this shift in the art world. Wasn't it around that time mm -hmm. that that suddenly you know the monetary uh, well, it took off, value yeah. took off or it took hold? <laughs> took, took hold. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Warhol was was an embodiment of that you know, of of. Playing, I like playing any, with, playing with none them. of his visual arts did anything for me. Mm. I like the stuff from the fifties, mm. the aquarelles and the the watercolors and no, on the sketches. Mm. That stuff was great, mm. but it just basically looked like watered down cocktail. Mm. So mm. you know, I'm glad he did it. Yeah, and it did help get that aesthetic out there. Yeah. But I think a lot of people who like him probably never even knew that Cocteau did visual arts as well. Yeah. You know, cineast, set designer, theater decorator, whatever. Yeah. Literary giant. But well, these grapes are really good. You should have some. I'll try one now. They look really fresh. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I always admire artists who quit. I think it's a maybe not quit making, but quit quit participating. Mm -hmm. I think that's a I think it's a very beautiful move. It's commendable, mm. especially in today's world. I mean, it's so easy to just continue. Mm. Well, it, it's a lot harder now to disconnect because I mean everything is so super connected now. So yeah, mm. it's very difficult to just get out. <laughs> yeah, they're not easy to get off of the stems, oh, but really good. <laughs> super juicy. Mm-hmm. We should have made some wine instead. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Um, yeah. Mm. So, but you've been producing and and making music basically your whole life, right? But you 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 moved to to Europe at a certain point, right? A pr pretty early age, didn't you? Eighty seven. Eighty seven. Yeah. I wasn't eighty seven when I moved to Europe. <laughs> it was nineteen eighty seven when I moved to Europe. Yes. <laughs> I was really young. Eighty seven. I decided to move to Europe. <laughs> you know. In my early days, I... Uh, I that would make me like 100 and... 
20 now. <laughs> no. Yeah, it'd be funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I didn't really so, pl- plan to move, but I didn't think I was going to go back when I came either. No. The Lord made you go here. Oh, I moved to Paris. Mm. I told you, Chopin. Yeah, you moved for Chopin. Well, I studied Chopin all my life, so mm. I knew that the music that he was composing mm. was not music from anywhere else. Yeah. The melodies were completely different. And I like Scott Joplin, but I always considered that Scott Joplin must have. I say it like this. Chopin died, mm-hmm. and somehow Scott Joplin ended up taking over what Chopin left behind and just doing it in a different time meter. Mm-hmm. But it's the same melodies. Those are not American melodies, mm-hmm. especially when you consider when Joplin was growing up. It was around the time where Polynesian culture was just starting to become something that the Americas was getting into. Mm -hmm. By 1910, 1915, that music had taken a full on, you know, the ukulele, slide guitar, Mm -hmm. all that stuff was finally becoming part of the normal culture. Mm -hmm. But before that, you had none of that. And what Chopin was doing is he was taking Eastern, Eastern European melodies yeah and I mean remember it's all dance music don't forget that yeah yeah <laughs> uh, it's like people laugh but I it's didn't not, know that no but, no, but think uh, about it Polonaise mm-hmm. Valsa mm-hmm. Um, Polka mm-hmm. these are all inventions of Chopin they're all his music that's all he invented he only did dance music and then he did that dirge which nobody's ever really heard the original of because in the late 19th century Mm -hmm. a German duo of music publishers rearranged it to make the one that you know now but the original one is totally different the original Death March from Chopin he never completed it it was never played in its entirety until it was played at his funeral by a friend of George Sand. Yeah. And um, so I always thought that, okay, because also Chopin died and I think Joplin was born like 12 years afterwards or maybe he was born around the same time as he died, something yeah. like that. But at any rate... He, Chopin, he just took over the, the torch. Mm-hmm. Say, you know. and, but nobody would ever... As a matter of fact, my piano teachers wouldn't let me do both. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, no, you can't play Joplin. That's not that's secular music, blah, blah, blah. It's not classical. Uh-huh. That's it. <laughs> the only reason that makes classical music <laughs> classical is because it's been commissioned by government or mm-hmm. the church. Mm-hmm. And Chopin wasn't playing for either. Mm-hmm. Chopin gave maybe 150 concerts mm-hmm. in his entire life. Yeah. The rest of his performances were done like what I did last a couple weeks ago yeah. in a restaurant or at a person's house, yeah. and he would just sit down at the piano and play. Yeah. It was a salon. It was a recital. Yeah. It was not a concert. He hated concerts. He hated public performance, mm-hmm. which I do too. And he basically had one 
piano, not an instructor, it was more like a consultant that he stayed in contact with his entire life. A man named Hess, a German man. And this guy outlived Chopin, because Chopin died when he was like, he died around the same age as Peter Tosh did, like 42, I think he was. He was very young when he died. That's not old, though. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. And he was very sick for years before. Yeah. Tuberculosis or, or he something. He had tuberculosis. He had dysentery. He had all kinds of shit. Yeah. He was a mess. Yeah. But I mean, they were famous for not going to doctors. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Perry had to drag me to the emergency room the other night. But yeah. anyway, the thing was, he decided when he died, basically, this guy Hess outlived him. Yeah. And he ended up with rheumatism, and they told him to move to a humid climb. Mm-hmm. So he moved to St. Louis. While he was living in St. Louis, he would walk by this one brothel almost every day and hear this music coming out. And he asked the owner one day, like, who is play- where is this music coming from? Who's playing the piano? Uh-huh. And they said, oh, that's this little kid who's like an you know, orphan who hangs out here. Yeah. And it was Scott Joplin. <laughs> So he took him under his wing. Yeah. So you see? There's the connection. Uh, mm-hmm. It was huh. always there. <laughs> I just found this out from an Israeli pianist that I know, Doron Berstein, yeah. who lives in Berlin. He told me this story. And I was just like... Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, because I was so mad at both of my instructors. One was teaching... I mean, you should be mad just for saying you can't play this. I mean... That's really unfair anyway. I would never... I mean, I taught piano for a little while when I was a kid myself. Yeah. And I asked the students what they would like to play. Yeah. And for the most part, they just wanted to play what they heard on the radio. Yeah. You know, which is fine. I mean, I actually wanted to play... I, the funniest thing was, I heard Bohemian Rhapsody at a piano concert, concert, concert from my teacher. Yeah. She, all of our students, you know, she, at the end of, I don't know, a few months, she'd make a concert in her house, sometimes duet piano, sometimes one. And this one Japanese girl played, Eileen Sakata. Eileen played, excuse me, Bohemian, Bohemian Rhapsody. And after the concert was over, after I played my piece, uh-huh. and all the parents were milling around and talking about their kids and being all proud and stuff, yeah. I went up to Madam Walker and I said, Madam Walker, I want to learn that song that Eileen played. Yeah. I said, okay, I'll write down the title. She wrote down the title for me and told me where to get it. And I went to the store, and I bought the sheet music. And it was brown, yeah. with a picture of these people yeah. <laughs> that looked like they were coming from a Shakespearean, Shakespearean, you know, like the ruffly shirts and yeah, the curly yeah. hair. And yeah. I was just like, "What is this?" Yeah. You know. And then I learned the song, and it's like you know, you have the guitar chords. And then the piano parts, yeah. and then you would have like one, two, and three, like first verse, second verse, third verse, and you can go through and read. So I'm like playing the music, and I'm looking at the lyrics, and I'm like, "What the, what the hell is this song what are you about?" about? Yeah, you know, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like 11 years old, yeah, I'm trying yeah. to figure oh this God. shit out. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, the music is really good." So I asked my mom, and she said, "Oh, I love it. It's beautiful." Mm. And you know, it goes through all these different changes and mm. stuff like that. I didn't hear the song until I was about 19 years old. It must have been a shock. Shock isn't the word. Uh. I mean, it was just like, <laughs> I got off the freeway uh. and went to the record store immediately and bought the record because uh. I was just like, 
I can't believe I've been playing this record for all these years and this is it. Yeah. Oh my God, that was really amazing. And I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't like I didn't like it. Yeah. It was just a shock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just a complete. I hear you're 11, 12, 13 years old. Yeah. You're playing something that you've only heard as a piano instrumental. Yeah. And it's already beautiful. Yeah. But then last year I saw a documentary about either about Queen or about that song. Yeah. But I know that that song had a very very major part in the documentary. Yeah. And the funniest thing is. That nobody in the band knew the song. They were on tour when they recorded the song. Yeah. So Freddie Mercury was dragging two-inch tapes with him on tour, going from studio to studio. It would be in New York for a couple of days. They go to the power plant, record some of it there. They'd be in Nashville for a little while. They record some of it there. Yeah. And he's the only one who had. Well, any, had it in his, in yeah. His head, and he yeah. put the whole song together as a pastiche, like yeah, a puzzle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had all these tapes. A, a musical collage, in a way. And he would have the band record their harmonies and everything. Yeah. They didn't know what they were recording for. Yeah. They had no idea that he would tell them, one, two, three. Is it? No, no, not like that. Is it? And, okay, now yeah. you got it. Yeah. And I was just like thinking to myself. How the hell did they even make sheet music out of this then? Yeah. You know, it must have taken a while. Because it took a year to record the damn yeah. thing. Uh-huh. Only uh-huh. because they were popular at that moment mm. and there was no time to go in the studio. Yeah, they just had to do it in between. Uh, which and probably, yeah, uh, the length of you know, making, a, it has a different impact on the music if you, you know, if you make a song, you know, taking a year or if you take a couple of weeks well it depends too I mean sometimes I write a song it's done in the amount of time it takes you to listen to it yeah literally from beginning to end I know exactly what I want or play it no note out of place I never really play and sing at the same time mm. so what I'll do is I'll do the music first or I'll, sometimes I'll sing the song first and mm. then just make the music match afterwards mm which is a little bit more complicated, but generally, like I said, if you know what you want, it's not a problem. Mm. And there's a lot of stuff like that on my next album that's coming out that's really, I just did the music. I had no idea what I was doing with the music. I was just like, okay, I wanted this. Uh. I do it and I was like, okay. When, when is it coming out, the album? I have no idea. I have four coming out this year. Four coming out, right? Yeah. Now, how do people get hold of your your mostly by getting in touch with me because I have really bad distribution yeah <laughs> it's like I have a label but um I don't really promote yeah. I don't see a need to and I mean I have a booking agent now and she likes to promote stuff for me and your mom's agency in Berlin mm-hmm. she, they're lovely they're such lovely people but they're a bit too ambitious for me sometimes yeah you know like photos and all that. I'm not really into all of that yeah. and it's like my friend I was talking to on the thing there just now about the distribution it's like yeah. I, you know I understand you know the proliferation of product and everything like that mm-hmm. but man it's just so not me mm-hmm. you know and I really don't care I mean I figure if people know like I know that there are some really good musicians out there that I have to look for yeah and I don't mind because I know what I find what I'm looking for from them it's going to be worth it yeah but there's not enough customers out there like me yeah to keep an artist like me alive yeah so 
I know that I have to do a bit more. I'm trying, but it's not natural to me. Yeah. So, no, it, it's hard to to go against your nature there. I think it's also unfair. Mm. Yeah, but, but then you come in the in the area again that you're distracting yourself from what you're actually you know supposed to do. Or exactly, and I mean nowadays as an artist, you have to do. You have to be so many different things. You have to be your booking agent. Mm. You have to be your graphic artist. You have to be your distributor. You have to be your composer. You have to your be net your net designer, your PR agent. Yeah. yeah, it go goes on and on. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and I mean, if you do the math, you know, see how much time is left for you know the actually actual work. Yeah, and that's the reason why a lot of people. I mean, I'm always impressed when people can come up, you know, and say, "Oh, I did this in like 15 minutes," but it sounds like it. Mm. You know, mm. if I do something in 15 minutes, it will sound like it, but it's supposed to. Mm. It's not because mm. I didn't have time to go over it again. No, when I mentioned earlier, I mean, I think it's really interesting if something takes a year. That doesn't mean it's better or worse than no, something else. It's, exactly. But it, it is something else. You know, it, 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 it's taken on a life of its own. Yeah. It's taken on its own life then. Mm. Mm. And like I said, sometimes... Like I'm working with this band in Paris, the IQ, mm. and Alex, the lead singer. He really knows what he wants. Mm. So you sit down with this boy, and he's talking to you about this, that, and the other thing. He's showing you like he's not Mariah Carey, but he's really into her yeah. at the moment. You know yeah. what I mean? And I understand where he's coming from mm. because it's not about her music per se or her persona uh -huh. it's about the whole thing and yeah, the mix uh, and how yeah. it and how people perceive it mm. and i understand that but i think the other guys in his band which are a little bit more held back yeah. that's not bad either that's actually very good mm. because if they were all up in your face it you, wouldn't you, work you get chaos yeah exactly yeah. so they hold back and they're looking and they're like oh ha 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 he's on his there, there he goes again yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah but at the same time they have to respect it because he's got the pipes yeah the boy can sing yeah. you know he there's no fucking with him on that point yeah. you know so no matter what he comes up with comes at you with you know when he does it it's going to be his own yeah. Yeah. and that's a great artist to be able to work with yeah. you know and there's very few of them out there like that nowadays mm -hmm. very few first of all that know what they want mm -hmm know how to explain it to you mm -hmm. and can turn around and give it to you mm -hmm. but you feel because you've been producing uh, a lot right I've produced yeah. quite a few yeah. people yeah so uh, um, but do you feel let's say 20 years ago that was different there were more people like that because I'm always a bit skeptical about it because I think it it's always scarce these kind of people no matter what time you're in I wouldn't say there was more of it back in the day. I would say that there was less. There were less rules and criteria mm. to make a person have to do things a certain way. Mm. Nowadays, you can get away with anything, but still only within the realm of it being, and being being able to be anal analogized to something that already exists. Mm. Mm. And that's one thing I stand completely against. Mm. I like for something to come out, and you know, people always say, "Oh, that reminds me of 
and they're talking about my music and yeah. I'm like you're fuck it. you're fucked up <laughs> because <laughs> it's not going to remind you of anything yeah. I, I never sample yeah you know if I'm going to take anything from a song I'm going to listen to it and copy it poorly yeah you know because I mean I can you know I mean I learned I, I've learned so much music by just playing from ear yeah. you know I can read notes I can write notes too but sometimes all you need to do is listen to it yeah. and put in your own inflections. Yeah, and uh, what you say, you copy it, uh, you know, you copy it poorly. In that in that translation, you something happens. I think exactly, yeah. mm. and that something that happens is the you mm. that makes it stand out from everything else but, around you. But that's the thing that that is very scary now in this time, where where you know there's cameras overall everywhere. You know, everything you do, at least in the online world, is registered. But most stuff you mm-hmm. do on the in the offline world is also registered. So all our eyes are on you all the time. So you know, that's why people you know, revert to these roles. That's why people publish you know pictures of which coffee they drank in the morning on their Facebook page. Right. Not because it's so interesting, because it's safe to do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because as soon as you get a stance. Uh, you take a stance, you know, everything will fall over you and will will react to it, right? Exactly. So it is a it, there is a there's a there's a consensus of me- mediocrity which which is a result of this this uh, uh, you know um, uh, constant surveillance of each other. Well, that's something that I always I remarked upon years ago mm. when I started noticing that throughout my travels I kept seeing the same goddamn building everywhere. Yeah. It was always made out of glass and steel. And I thought to myself, this is the reason why there is no dynamic in anything anymore. No dynamic in the music, no dynamic Mm -hmm. in the fashion, no dynamic in car designs. Look at cars. Oh, they're hideous. They're disgusting. They all look the same. Mm -hmm. They all look like some Japanese manga from the 50s. Mm -hmm. And that's about as far as they've gotten. Mm. Unless you and and they and they still use uh, for most part engines, you know, which are were invented a hundred years ago. Still think, using petrol. <laughs> think about you know all the stuff we have around us, all these things which have been developed in these years. Nothing is hundred years old. Nothing. Yeah? But Nothing. still, we drive in a car which has a hundred-year-old technology, and, and we have much better technology available. And you know? you know, in France, you see a lot of these rental cars that are electric. Mm-hmm. The little stations next to them. Well, electric car is also is as old as a petrol car. Yeah, I know. Mm. I know. But, you know, we're not going to... I mean, because of the way the industry is... I mean, when I look at these grapes, for example... Mm. And they're completely well, geodically uh, well, engineered. No. There's one company that makes this box. There's mm-hmm. one company that makes this, uh, this piece of paper that sticks on it. Mm-hmm. There's about three different companies that make the fonts and the artwork. Mm-hmm. And then you have another company to make the bubble pack in the bottom. Mm-hmm. These headphones... Mm-hmm. The little metal part that you use to plug into the end, that's one company. Mm-hmm. The cable is one company. This little rubber thing here is one company. The fuzzy the thing. The fabric here, stuff, yeah. That's how I look at everything mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine how crazy that must seem to some people? I think I think that sounds quite reasonable. Well, that's because you're probably crazy too. <laughs> Maybe. You know? But it's not, um, it's not something that... I don't know. It's just odd to me. It's odd to me how people don't see it. When I mean, you know, you're looking at all the construction that they're doing in the back of this building here. I mean, you're talking about things going over budget. Well, when you have 
a different company at every level yeah. of production, that well, means that somebody somewhere wants to get over. Yeah. One person somewhere wants to get more. Yeah. And if everybody who's got their foot in the door, I mean, that's the reason why Cologne, they started building the Metro, and they had to stop. Yeah. <laughs> because they they outsourced to cheap companies. Yeah. And they've already capsized one cathedral. Yeah. The 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 what is it called the um, the his the modern art museum is destroyed, yeah. And they haven't even finished half of the new line of metro, and it's not been worked on for a year and a half. Yeah. Sounds very familiar. Mm-hmm. I'm I think sure every city has a story like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is becoming more and more rampant as time goes on. Well, the other thing is also we are more and more people, so the systems are getting more and more complex, and right. so to just. And if you have to wait for all the, the, the in between, you know, the, the logistics in between, you know, the connection between these companies, you know, it adds up. And of if course. something goes wrong in this in this chain, you know, the whole thing collapses. Sometimes uh-huh. literally, you know. Yeah, literally, exactly. That's the other thing. Yeah. Can we take a break? Sure, sure. I want to go downstairs and see if I can get a, a cigarette. Yeah, sure. I don't normally. Okay, now we're really back. Okay, now we're really back. <laughs> So, so for that, it's good at a check because I don't yeah. want to talk. <laughs> anyway, so we're final. Yeah, we're we're we we talk about the records uh, we have uh, at Demon's Mouth now. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so we. I'm not sure so which of the two final came first. So you get the final with the, f- uh, the four, the four. Uh, how, is, how do you describe colorful images in a in a grid, and then you have the other final with which the drawing. Yeah, the draw the drawing of that's one shot. I think the drawing is the drawing looks like Kai. Again, Kai Altov. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a drawing. With that's a, even I think that's a painting actually in Kai. That's Kai. That's uh, so it's a self portrait of of. I, I guess it's a self portrait. I don't know if he did it or if somebody else did it for him. Mm. But um, the music is really good because Kai. Has a great voice as well, but he likes to do things with his voice that are not conventional. Mm-hmm. And he always says, "Oh, it might be hard for you to listen to," <laughs> but that's what I like about it uh-huh. is that it is hard to listen to. Yeah. And if you can get through it, you feel good about yourself. Yeah. And that's a great thing. A lot of music doesn't do that. It's just so. Yeah, you you consume it and you forget it. Yeah, exactly. Mm. You consume it and it's done. Mm. It's like, you know, a bowl of oatmeal. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but with his stuff... I mean, a bowl of oatmeal has its place. Uh, this yeah. is true. I this mean, is very true. But, uh, yeah, it's not the only experience. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, Fanal, and uh, where, where is he from? He's he's, um, he's from Germany. He's from Germany. He's, I don't know exactly where in Germany he's from. Mm. I know him from Cologne. Yeah. He lives in New York now. Yeah. But, um... He's an amazing artist. In my very first solo album, mm-hmm. uh, for Dance Floor, he did the cover for it. All right. Yeah. And I just gave him a few songs that were... The record wasn't finished yet. Uh-huh. And so I gave him a few songs, and he went with um, his friend Eustace to Connecticut yeah. to visit some family or something like that. And he came back with this drawing... And when I saw the drawing, I cried uh. because it was so perfect for the project. Yeah, it was so touching. 
somebody actually was able to translate this odd dance music that I had done yeah. into an actual piece of art. Yeah. It was all pencil. Yeah. It was all pencil. Because yeah, this one looks like a pencil drawing too. Actually yeah, more, he does a I lot of that. Yeah. He does a lot of that. Uh. But it's so detailed. Uh. It's, wow. I would love to be in his mind for a minute. <laughs> and so the finale stuff, I've only listened to this, the other album, not yeah. that one yet. The other one with the four, four pictures on the front, right? Yes. Mm. And he has another he has another thing that I wanted to get yeah. for the for the gallery, but it's by a different distributor. Yeah. This is distributed by the people at Ah Music mm -hmm. in Cologne. And they have quite a few they have a section of records by visual artists, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, because that's the whole link with uh, uh, with all the records in the show, right? They're, right. They're all visual artists uh, who produce music uh, as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't say as a hobby or on the side. I think it's no, just an extension. Just, no, no, as a yeah. You know, because I find that normally the public has a very monolithic way of looking at artists. Mm -hmm. You know, they think okay, so and so is an architect, so they only do architecture. Mm -hmm. But that's not possible because as an artist there are so many mediums for you to choose from mm -hmm. that maybe there might be a medium that you're not used to working in but maybe because you're not used to working in like you were saying you yeah. started to do paintings mm -hmm. and the paintings you want to do it because you've never studied you don't know what you're doing but uh -huh. you have the calling to do it uh -huh. I think that that's beautiful Yeah, and it's also a way of taking risks, right? You, you, because you can always do what you know you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. What you know you're able to mm -hmm. do. But, but uh, um, I always feel that's a waste of time because it's much more. I think it's more important that you try to learn the stuff you you you, you haven't figured out yet. Yeah, because of then what you do know, you're going to turn around and mix with it, mm -hmm. and hopefully create something that you're happy with, mm -hmm. and that the public will like. Mm -hmm. I mean, because, you know, no artist really does it only solely for themselves, except for people who... I mean, no, you wouldn't be an artist. No. You wouldn't be an artist, because it, 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 a, a very huge part is about communication. Mm -hmm. And this communication is also communication, right? And so mm -hmm. even if you're, if you're uh, uh, trying to uh, distort the communication, you know, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a the form, same negotiation. Yeah, yeah exactly, because yeah. it's still a form of communication, even mm -hmm. though it's distorted or abstract or whatever you want yeah. to call it if you don't want to communicate you're not going to make anything or you're, you're at least going to hide it so, so well that it. there's some great i mean there's some great stuff done by people who obviously didn't think that they were artists and they've mm. sat on it and then like 10 years after they die somebody mm. finds it in a box mm. like, oh, wow. oh, oh my god, god. i didn't yeah. know yeah. i mean my, when my mother passed away none of us knew that she actually had a degree in music theory oh wow My brother and my father, none wow. of us knew that she had a full... She was she was a, a nurse's assistant, yeah. but she actually had a license to be a licensed vocational nurse. Yeah. She did all that in night school and also got her degree in music theory wow. and arranging, I think. Wow. It's really amazing, yeah? It's like so... And, and you guys didn't know that is that is pretty that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Mind-boggling, too. She was the first person that taught me how to play anything on the yeah. piano. It was a typical boogie woogie, but yeah. you know it was something to start with. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, my son gets his piano and um, piano teaching from uh, um, from his grandma. Yeah, she, she's a she's been a piano teacher all her life. So, so and he, uh, it's really fun to see him where he's you know playing the piano. He's not just, I mean, he's really watching how she plays, and you know, I mean, he's he can't play anything, but he he really tries to figure out what what is this, mm-hmm. what is this, and it's it's beautiful. To see, it's wonderful to watch. But you need you need someone you know like your mom or your grandma or whoever. Mm-hmm. You need a person who who ignites it that. It definitely thing. helps because it's very. I, mean, I don't know if there's any autodidact really autodidact mm. artists because it's usually sparked from something mm. either mm. seeing something or almost as as if a memory has been activated mm-hmm. you know, almost as if you're oh yeah that's what I'm supposed to do right? yeah exactly mm. and that's something that I think there's not, not enough people pay attention to because they're so busy trying to make ends meet mm. you know like mm. doing their job or going to school or paying their bills or watching the family mm. and it's like all these things can be done at the same time mm-hmm. you know but yeah, but yeah that's not for everyone not everybody has the capacity to, to, no. to commit to that no and th- those are the ones that you hope will become collectors <laughs> <laughs> at least in some respect I, and you know we, we need them too of course and, we and need purveyors of the arts yeah. otherwise we don't have anything to be arts do art for yeah. and that was really interesting about being at the Stadelschule mm-hmm. was that you know they hired me as a guest professor and they said you know make your curriculum mm-hmm. and I thought that well since I know so many artists mm-hmm. and they have some of them have a lot of trouble representing themselves yeah and I understand that because you put so much into your work mm. that to turn around and then turn around and be your promoter as well is just. Yeah, you know, we talked about this before. Not everybody has the capacity to do that, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, it's a completely different job. You know, you didn't sign up for it in the first place, right? Exactly. Uh-huh. And to take it to the next level, you really have to like. Differentiate, differentiate yourself from the thing because I've been at openings and the people that are there probably didn't know the artist was sitting right next to them and they're saying whatever they're saying mm-hmm. about the piece I really feel kind of bad for the artist <laughs> because it's not necessarily insulting what the people are saying but they obviously don't get it mm-hmm. and I think that's probably the most frustrating thing for an artist well, I, I have a different view about that because uh, um, I think, as an artist, you know your job is is creating the art, right? And mm-hmm. as soon as it's out there, it's not your own anymore. Exactly. You know, it's it's not, and and so everybody has the right to to experience the way they experience it. You know, there's mm-hmm. no right or wrong way. You know, if you think, oh, this looks like like a bunny race, you know, it's going to be a bunny race, even mm-hmm. though you meant it to be, you know. Um, I say the the origin of the cosmos, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got it upside down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah, you know, and and uh, I think it's you know it that letting go. You know, not, not all artists are very very equipped to let it go either, right? They're right. Just, just well, I mean, most of the music that I'm releasing right now, I've mm. done anywhere between two and ten years ago. Mm. You know, some of it. I've done a week or two ago, mm. but 
as I try never I don't really try but I don't follow trends mm. you know I for me that becomes a full time job if you want to follow trends you, you know you want to be ahead of the curve so you have to know what's going on and you know you have to try to decide where <coughs> it's heading and you have to go travel there before everybody else yeah it just becomes a rat race it becomes a rat race and it's also the thing is that you don't really achieve anything mm. like that Unfortunately, I mean, people invest so much time and energy and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, they're sitting on tap water mm. when they could be, you know, giving the world Perrier. Mm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's my thing, tap water. <laughs> Nothing wrong with, well, sometimes there's sometimes something wrong. Sometimes there's something wrong. careful about tap water. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay. Uh, what else do we have yeah we so have, I mean you were talking about the stale shula so there's this uh, oh yeah so my course was a course and it was a course on creative fruition mm-hmm. because I decided or I realized that at any point in an artist's creativity they could say okay it's done yeah and who's to argue with them yeah you know if you have the balls to say okay I've made this little thing that's my art mm. Mm. and somebody says well I don't like it well it's not touching you the right way that's fine mm. somebody else will come along and get it because yeah. I think for every idea that any person has there's at least one other person on the planet that has the exact same idea at this exact same time well the, f- the funny thing is I, I had um, uh, what, what often happens in the art world you know I mean the, the, the work you talk the most about is the work you you know you don't like or you think is bad work right, right. but that's still the work you're going to talk most about because you ha- i mean if you, if you make that statement that you don't like something you know you have to decipher it you know? it's a statement yeah, you yeah. have to decipher it you have to mm-hmm. you find the arguments you have to you know find uh, it's going to have a definition mm-hmm. and and uh, i think that action is very valuable you know i mean maybe the work is still bad but but still it you know it triggers something it triggers a a train of thought it triggers a discussion it triggers also mm-hmm. also uh, uh, you know a new reference point of to figure out okay how do I see the world how do I how, how do I value aesthetics and how do I value ideas and and, and how do I fit them in my own because I mean no matter what you're going to do you're going to have you're going to be better at certain things than at other things and, mm-hmm. and the stuff you're better at it's very easy to to uh uh, let, let's use a wrong phrase to you know to feel superior in that that area and 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 basically try to decide the rules for that area mm-hmm. you know and say okay you know if it doesn't if it doesn't um, if it doesn't add up to this you know it's not good because you know we or I decided so mm-hmm. and and I think it's a very uh, very dangerous. Uh, train of thought I mean we're all we're, I think every human is captured in that to a more or lesser degree but but uh, uh, in the end of the day I think you know the the exchange of ideas and the and the the, the uh, negotiation of reality is, is what what really counts yeah mm. that's true mm. that's a given I give you a point for that one yeah mm. definitely true yeah so the the album you uh, you made with uh, with the students area is called Stars of Städel, mm-hmm. right? Has a big pentagram on the top with a lot of interconnected lines. Well, you know what's really funny about that? Mm. At the time, 
I was still using MySpace. Yeah. And there was a guy on MySpace that did, I don't know if he was directly affiliated with Prince and all those people. Yeah. But he was doing graphics for the site yeah. that Prince had. It was very abstract. It was like things like that. And then the screen would start flashing. Yeah. But you would still see the star, but there was all these images that would flash up. It was amazingly intricate. Yeah. And I just wrote to him. He was always writing me and talking about this, that, and the other thing from Prince and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And I've always been kind of like, I like Prince to an extent. Uh-huh. I thought he was a bit too much of a control freak. Yeah. But that's, you know, I mean, I guess that's normal part for the course. But I asked him if we could use that star. Yeah. And so I got it. He sent me a quali- pretty high quality version of it. And I gave it to Ilya, Ilya Karlampi, who was also on the album. Yeah. And um, he was pretty much in charge of the graphics with another couple of people at Tesla Ahmed and Ilya. And I think those were the only two that did the artwork. I have to look yeah. again. Because at the back, there's the there's a picture of an arm and a plant. That's Tesla mm-hmm. I remember the inside. It's the arm of the plant, and there's there's another picture. I can't really make out what that is. This is like oh, a, yeah, it's a, a person with a with a lamp. This is Joseph Walsh, mm. who does film, and is um, he uses he made he wanted to do a girl band type thing mm. like the Shangri Las, the you know the, yeah. the 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 Ets, whichever Ets there were, you know, like you know Phil Spector, yeah, and he wanted to chop up old existing 50s and 60s girl, girl band records. Yeah. I said, you're in an art school. You must be able to find three girls who can sing. Yeah. So you go find the girls and figure out what you want to sing about and I'll help you guys write a song. Yeah. Because I'm really for originality. I'm not yeah. into like no, taking, no, 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 this, this. you know, the whole hip hop thing really made taking other people's stuff and using it for your own. I mean, I was watching a documentary about Mary J. Blige and you're talking about how she's the queen of hip-hop soul or whatever you want to call it. Mm. But, I mean, that's such an ironic, stupid term because none of those people in the 90s wrote anything. Mm. They would sample something and then write on top of it. Mm. So for her... I mean, didn't Kenya West just had an issue with uh, where he sampled, uh, sampled something without even crediting the, the artist to the artist. Uh, I'm not surprised, but, but he's, uh, an, he's an idiot as far as I'm concerned. No, I mean, no, 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 he's a genius. Yeah, <laughs> so, idiot, genius, same thing. I, just, I didn't, mean this, <laughs> didn't mean this seriously. No, I just don't... I, I just... Yeah. People like that, they, give, they send out the wrong message and then mm. they get so... They have so many spin doctors and mm. agents working for them that they end up becoming popular anyway, mm. which is not really fair to the people who do. I mean, it's like I was listening to some of that Mary J. Blige stuff, and I love her work. Mm. And I mean, I like Dr. Dre too because of the simple fact that he was another one who was not necessarily so keen on sampling all the time. Mm. He created a lot. Mm. And that, you know... And he's still creating. I mean, that's... That's the yeah. other thing. He's yeah. still creating heavy duty. Yeah. And the same with, like, the RZA from Wu-Tang Clan and stuff like that. You know, there's enough of them out there. Mm. But, you know, like, the first digital underground album I really, really liked, despite the fact that it was basically four or five different Parliament Funkadelic albums mm. rolled into one with about 
13 people standing in front of it just adding percussion and rapping you know mm. it's like you go to a hip hop show there's no instruments on stage because you just have a sampler and a bunch of microphones yeah that's fine I don't have any problems with that but you know I spent like the better part of my entire youth learning how to play something mm. <laughs> and that turned into composing something because I didn't want to be known as a genius in the eyes of the normal world because that basically means that you emulate yeah. something that already exists. Well, you, you create, you know, I mean, it's very easy to get into this prison, this genius prison. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you know a self-proclaimed genius like Kanye West, you know, he, he made it a nice prison for himself, right? Mm -hmm. he, can't, he can't get out of there. He's, he's in there. He has, to, he, he has to play his part now, you know, until the end. Yeah, and, and then and you see somebody like Kylie Minogue who turns around and does something like that song that she did with Nick Cave, mm -hmm. which wasn't necessarily the greatest song in the world, but when you consider it's Kylie, Kylie Minogue, mm -hmm. you know, working with Nick Cave, and the song is actually really good. Mm -hmm. It's just not what you would expect from her, and it didn't help her career at all. Mm -hmm. It may, maybe gave her some more street credibility, mm -hmm. But, I mean, she still went on to have a review in Vegas. Mm -hmm. yep. I don't think Nick Cave ever will. No. You know? <laughs> Didn't he recently die? Is he dead? I, I'm, I'm unsure now. I'm not sure. I don't know if he's I mean, dead. All these, all these legends are, 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 I say, dying out at the moment. I think so. I, I, don't, I don't remember. I don't really know if he's alive or dead. Mm. I don't really know. Honestly, I don't know. No. Anyways, it's... Uh, Yeah. So that's the Stadel album. And then we have. Oh, yeah. On the Stadel album, you have um, Simon Denny. Mm -hmm. Well, and Jonathan Brewer, you know, uh, yeah. the other guy in uh, Demon's well, Mouth. But uh, he's an accomplished pianist. Yeah. I mean, he had a couple albums. Uh, he made a couple albums. Before, yes, he did. Before he he supposedly gave me one that he just did recently with a Detroit yeah. jazz ensemble or a yeah. Chicago yeah, jazz ensemble. Yeah, he did something. I think Detroit, because he was in Detroit and. At his residency last year. And I would love to hear that. He's going to give me a copy. He said, mm -hmm. I want to hear that. Mm -hmm. Because I, I just walked by. One day I was in, um, I was having lunch. And I left the studio open so kids could go in there and like work until I came back. Mm -hmm. And he was the only one. He was the only one in there. And I heard playing piano. Or piano sounds. And I was like. I didn't go in immediately. I said, hey, yeah, listen. Yeah, yeah, it's dangerous to walk in straight away because that might disrupt the... Uh, mm -hmm. uh, disrupt the flow. Mm. And so when I heard a pause, I went in and I said, you're an accomplished pianist. Mm. I said, well, I, yeah, I'm not really a pianist. I took lessons with... He's told me numerous times this lady's name, and I can never remember, a Japanese woman. Mm. She teaches at the University of Chicago, I think, in the Tokyo mm. Conservatory. Mm. And that was his piano instructor mm. when he was in New York. Yeah. And I was like, dude, <laughs> oh, if anything, if everything else falls apart, you know what you can do. Mm. And so, but there's a lot of people on that album that have gone on to do, you know, pretty Michelle Domena's on there. Uh, she's in her own right. Hilda, uh, Hannah Hildebrand is also on there. We have seven inch singles from her. Mm hmm. That, that's the one Seven. with the... With the lady on the cover. Yeah, let's let's bring it up on the camera. Let's see. I can't remember the lady's name, but I know that well, it was a live concert Anita in Kosovo. Imusuk? Yes, exactly. Imutov. That's her name. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, Evil Tahet Muesum. I don't know if it... 
Fatima Kosum. Fatima, Fatima yeah, Kosum. That's yeah, right. It's, it's the front and the back are, are I think, mirrored. Yeah, exactly. That's, so Fatima, because live at the Museum of Kosovo. Yes, Fatima exactly. Kosumi. And that was, I mean, she's great. She's in South Korea. Mm. Right. So there's South Korea right now, another grant of some sort. Mm. And um, yeah, it was just great to get to know these people and then mm. see how they've all become in their own right. You have Karthik Pandian, who is, uh, there's two pieces from him. One is a DVD mm-hmm. called Dark Room. Yeah, yeah, and that is that was his graduation piece from the Stadel and also from uh, Art Institute in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And he made because when he came to Berlin, he was fascinated by the Panorama Bar, so he decided to make kind of like. A panorama, because mm-hmm. there's these labyrinths in Panorama Bar that used to be kind of like, I don't know if they still have them, but they were like kind of like cruising areas, mm-hmm. and it was rather, I guess it was supposed to be gay, but you would always see girls back there too, so mm-hmm. it was like, whatever goes, right? Mm-hmm. And so he decided to make this in a gallery, yeah. and every gallery was different in size, but right after he did it at the Stadel. Or maybe he, he did it at the Stadel and at the place in L.A. in the same year. Yeah. And I think the one in L.A. was visited by Richard Tejas mm-hmm. because right after he graduated, Richard Tejas took him on his roster. Richard Tejas is also the gallerist for Michel Kreber, yeah. who was the director of the school after I left. Okay. But he was the man who actually hired me yeah. to work there. Yeah. And... Um, it's uh, basically a labyrinth, and it has these 16 millimeter or no, 8 millimeter films that he took of various areas around Los Angeles at night. And at one point, there's a weather balloon with lights in it that they use for night shoots. Mm-hmm. And you know, they put the lights in, they float it up, so you have night light. Yeah. And he filmed it at a fountain somewhere in Silver Lake yeah. in Los Angeles. Yeah. And he asked me to make like a fairly minimal soundtrack soundtrack. Mm -hmm. and he played it through I think just a bass speaker that he wrapped in mattresses so you couldn't really tell where the sound was coming from. (laughs) And this was a labyrinth. The gallery is no bigger than this hotel room. And he made it labyrinth in it. Wow. It was great. (laughs) And I was just so impressed because you know, being taken on by Richard Tejas right after graduation is like, uh, yes. Yeah, that's pretty Richard's cool. really cool anyway. He always has his finger on the pulse of something. Yeah. And then uh, the second piece that we did is a vinyl. Yeah. And that piece is based on the teachings of John White, who was a, a uh, Native American who went around the country, the United States, educating and re-educating about the roles of Native Americans in America and he was doing he was fascinated by the mounds yeah they would make these burial mounds yeah and people thought when they first got to the south they were like little hills or something to do with farming yeah and then they started excavating them Mm -hmm. and realizing that there was pottery bones and trinkets and stuff 
because what they would do is they would build these mounds and they would put their shaman on top of it. Yeah, so and, then, he, and then burn the whole thing, or no, no, he that's where he lived. He was oh, like yeah. the deity of the of the okay, tribe. Okay, yeah. So he, the, the 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 shaman was living on the grave. Yeah, it wasn't really a grave. It was more like a temple mm. of sorts. Mm. I mean, in Europe, it would be a temple, but they would use different materials, obviously. Mm. Native Americans would use what we got, mm. you know. And um, I thought that was fascinating. And so he wanted to have that coupled with a speech that he had from John White and made into like a really pensive type techno track not fast or hard or anything mm. but just something that drove mm. so I think the song is about 15 18 minutes long nice. you know like classical music does mm. though you know it goes through different moods and mm. and I was honored that he asked me again and that was that one was brought up in the that was brought up in the Whitney mm. and um, yeah I don't know. There's very yeah. few copies of any of these things. Yeah, I mean, this is the that that is the one with the sunset on. Yes. Ah, oh, this is beautiful. Isn't it it's gorgeous? I, I will uh, I will purchase one myself too. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, a gorgeous. There's a couple of albums. And the booklet. Yeah, Did you see the booklet? Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Uh, He's very thorough. He has an opening in Paris right now. I guess it's the 11th yeah. of April. That's next. That's this week, right? Well, yeah, this week coming, yeah, yeah. Hmm. and he uh, he's in Paris right now. He's been with his wife for about, I guess, three weeks or four weeks. Mm. But they're gonna. I'm going back to Paris at the beginning of May, so I'll see them again, and yeah. then I'll get to see this new show. Yeah, I don't know what it's really about. I just saw it has walnuts. <laughs> it's a lot of walnuts. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's very deep. Yeah, he's very deep. I teached at his wedding. Yeah. No, we uh, we were listening we were listening to this on uh, opening this album. Uh -huh. I mean, we listened to several, but this one I remembered. This was nice. This was uh, good. I'm glad you like it. That very uh, yeah, yeah. I'll be I'll be sitting in the gallery this week, so I'll go through all the records. I'll listen to all of them. And, uh, very good. Very and, uh, good. Try to get people in to listen with me because that's the nicest part. Yeah, to be able to share it. And it's, it's yeah, it's it's. It, I mean, that's the other thing because I think that a lot of people. Like, my dad's not necessarily into art, mm. but I gave him a copy of the Stadel album, yeah. and he actually liked it, yeah. as experimental as it was. He's really open-minded. He's more into jazz, mm. and but he, he does, he likes different types of stuff, mm. and especially if I'm involved, you know, my brother's, my brother has a blues band. Plays harmonica, so that's really easy for my dad to yeah, like. Yeah, that's. Yeah. With some of my music, my dad doesn't get at all. Yeah. But I mean, he likes the fact that I'm doing it. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. As long as it keeps me out of his hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as long as yeah. he doesn't have to support me, he doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> Which is nice. No, but they're all all pretty limited edition runs. Mm-hmm. They're all in runs of 100 max or something or. or yeah, because there was one very, you talked, there was one which was pretty rare. The yeah, Fesha Fest the by Cosima, yeah, yeah. Cosima von Bonin did a, um, the Gratz, a modern art gallery gave her the gallery mm -hmm. to do what she wanted. Kind of came with a park. Yeah, so he, here it is. It, Fesha Fest, and it has the... It has a that book. booklet is really good too. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. as a booklet with a green booklet with white white um, dots and mm -hmm. on the back there's a, or yeah no I think it's the back yeah you had the, the disco ball yeah on one of the dots and her um, one kid on that record is Albert Gabriel mm -hmm. and his mother was Ingeborg Gabriel and Ingeborg was also an artist mm -hmm. she did a lot of paintings of mushrooms oh the lens closed yeah <laughs> um, she did a lot of paintings of mushrooms Mm. And that's how I knew her. But her husband, uh, Uwe, mm -hmm. he does all of the art catalogs for mm -hmm. like, you know, Art Fair Cologne mm -hmm. and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we have that booklet like yeah. that. Yeah. And it's like so many people. Kai Althoff is in there. Yeah. Uses Kunka, Daniel Buchholz, Christopher. Um, Who else is in there? Joseph, uh, um, Goethe, what's his name? Um, Goethe, oh, what's his name? I'm so bad. He's going to hate me. Julian. Yeah. Julian Goethe, who is basically an amazing 303 emulator. What is the 303 emulator? A Roland 303. Yeah. Yeah, he can do it. Like, most people do beatboxing. Yeah, and he does He can that. do acid <laughs> with his mouth. It's just amazing. He sounds just like the machine. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, he haven't I haven't heard him do it for a while, but yeah. let's put it like this. If it wasn't for the if it wasn't the art thing, he would definitely have no problem with being in a band like L C D sound system or something. Yeah. Yeah. Because he is that good. Yeah. You know, he sounds just, and I think it's because he grew up listening to it and he just couldn't get the machine. Yeah, so he had to, he had had to, to make do, it in yeah, his head. And make it yeah. in his head. <laughs> and so he does a lot of graphics. Mm -hmm. I don't think I have any music from him, but I have stuff with his graphics on it yeah. by artists. Yeah. And um, yeah, the Fesher Fest is a really good one because the Fesher Fest also has stuff, music stuff by I'm also by myself and Albert that are not you can't find them anywhere else. No. It's completely exclusive. Yeah. And as far as I know, this these two that I have mm -hmm. are of the last five that exist. Yeah. You can't get them anywhere. Yeah. So you gotta come down to Demon's Mouth, baby. Yeah, come down. <laughs> get your copy. It will cost you, but get it's your copy. It's gonna cost you, but yeah, it's gonna be yeah. worth it because it's worth it for a while. Yeah. I mean, I went to one collector's house in Paris. He's an American guy whose name I can't mention, mm -hmm. but he's been um, his self-made billionaire mm -hmm. and I went to his apartment. It was right on the quay, on the, mm -hmm. on the right on the river. Mm -hmm. The vestibule to the apartment was bigger than this room. Mm -hmm. And the apartment itself must have been like 400 square meters, ridiculously large. Mm -hmm. I went to the bathroom and got lost. <laughs> the only way I could find my way back was when one of those, you know, the boats go by with all the lights. Yeah. And it went by and it shined lights in the whole flat. And I was like, Oh yeah, no. <laughs> I was like, hey, um, how do I get back to the living room? And he said, follow my voice, follow my voice, follow my voice. And then I was like, oh my God, that was too much. Oh wow. But it was an amazing flat. And the thing I was going to say is the kitchen, everywhere you looked in the kitchen mm -hmm. were art catalogs. Wow. And I mean, for the past 50 years, mm. some of them not even opened. Mm. You know, like first shows of like Liechtenstein yeah, yeah. and like early stuff of yeah. like, you know, it's like 
and Pollock and things that you just forgot about. Yeah. And you would think you'd never see in a catalog unless you went into like yeah. a catalog store. Yeah. He had them all in his house. Wow. Everywhere in the house. Catalogs, catalogs, catalogs. Huh. I mean, it was just mad. And the best thing was, I met him when Cosima did a show at the MoMA mm -hmm. in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. This man put up money for the cornerstone to build it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's crazy. And yeah. And we were all at the Chateau Marmont. When did when did she have the show in uh, Cosima the show in LA? Or was it? It was in the two thousands, but I don't know. Yeah, because I, I was my first time I was in Los Angeles was in two thousand and two, and I remember I'm not sure. Because it, it it rings a bell, so I'm I'm. I'm it could have been two thousand three, two thousand two, something like that. I mean, I'm not really sure when. So it rings a bell because I might have I might have been to that that show. There. It's very possible. She had the whole thing. I mean, mm. it wasn't the group show; it was hers. Yeah, or 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 I just mix it up with one of the, uh, you know, the documentary Venice Biennale because one of those she also was. Yes, she did a pavilion for the Biennale too, yeah, yeah. but I'm not sure when that was. Was, that was my link. Anyways, I, it, yeah. At any rate, though, that one was, that was pretty impressive because mm. he had my first solo album. Mm -hmm. He knew my name. Wow. When yeah. I sat down, because we were in Chateau Marmont, and it was like Daniel and Trevor, and everybody was at the bar, and I saw this guy sitting down by himself. Nobody was talking to him, mm. and he was like, I don't know, 60-something or whatever. Mm. And so I just went over, and I said, I love your glasses, which is true. They were gorgeous glasses. Mm. And then I said, who are you? And he introduced himself, and I said, oh, okay, I'm Eric. And he said, oh, I live in, I, I have a house here, but I live in Paris. I said, I'm going to be in Paris in like two weeks. Oh, he said, well, contact me. Mm. And I didn't think anything of it. So, mm. I, you know, when I got to Paris, I said, I have a day off, I can go. Let's check it. Yeah, yeah let's check yeah. it out. And we went out to dinner, and he showed me his house and all these things. And then he said, "I know your name." I said, "Well, I've been, you know, guest teaching at the Stadel, or yeah. I'm, you know, giving lectures there and stuff." Yeah. He said, "No." Mm -mm. And then he said, "Wait a second. Are you friends with Kai Altoff?" Yeah. And I'm like, "Yeah." He said, "That's why I bought Kai Altoff's. I bought your album because Kai Altoff did the cover." Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Wow, and that's what made me realize that, you know, if you actually spend an extra amount of time to put something that really yeah. expresses yourself with your art, with your medium, your yeah. music medium, I mean, to think that, that man doesn't even know what my music sounds like really, but yeah. he has the record yeah. because Kai did the cover. Yeah. <laughs> that is so cool. I said, never listen. I said, don't listen to the record. Oh. You've done your homework. Yeah. You've done your homework. To be able to pull it out, you know, especially years after it was yeah. done. But this is, this is also the amazing part, you know, whenever you produce any art, you know, and you put it out in the world where it ends up to, and how it sometimes curves back to you, and how it boomerangs back to you, mm -hmm. and where you suddenly run into things. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, that you, you almost meet yourself uh, yeah, through exactly. another door, right? You're exactly. Like, it's like, I didn't go out that door. How did I come back and wait? Yeah. <laughs> How did this end up to be? Yeah, honest? and we've stayed in contact, mm. you know, ever since then, and that's great. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah. There was one artist I wanted to get that I didn't, I wasn't able to get. He hadn't finished his project yet. Mm. It was Marcel Odenbach, 
who's mostly a video artist, but he does, I guess he does, I don't know what he does on vinyl, he has records out. I'm mm. not really sure what they are, though. Mm. And we hang out all the time. We have a mutual friend in common, Udo Kier. And but the only problem is, every time I'm with Udo and Marcel, Udo and I end up drinking a bottle of wine apiece, mm. and the evening just... Falls apart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Udo is funny. He has stories for days. Give him a bottle of wine, and you, you've got your podcast. You don't have to say anything. You know? He's great, though. Uh, and so yeah that was yeah, it was really interesting uh, it was interesting to be in that that whole scene because so many of the people that I do know that do music mm. aren't involved in the arts at all uh, in the least they're not even interested uh, and, uh, I feel that or I experience it quite often that yeah people stick to their their niche and yeah yeah almost like they have blinders on you know one thing I'm um, I would really wish for is that that you know as an artist you can drop the label of uh, of being an artist without dropping what you do. Well, I mean, in all honesty, I do believe that's the way it was mm. because mm. the word artist comes from artisanal, mm. and artisanal means that you can do pretty much anything, mm. and it's going back far enough that you think about pretty much all the tribes on the planet and every culture on this planet was a tribe at one point. Everybody could do everything. Mm. You know, it's like, okay, everybody works with clay. There might be one guy in the tribe that works a bit better. Mm. So you'd rather give him, like, groceries for a month so he can make you some cute pottery yeah. as opposed to you doing it yourself. Yeah. But ultimately, everybody could do everything in a, in a tribe situation. You know, everybody could make moccasins. <laughs> well, you know, to go back to this, this, I mean, you know, the, the, the I say the shadow side of that everybody thinks they can do everything, uh, you know, is that everything gets mediocre. But the other side is that people are actually trying a lot more stuff now than, than they've done in a long time. Exactly. Right? They, uh, you know, they might not be good at it, but at least they're giving it a try. And also, mm -hmm. you know, through that trying and through that doing, they also... Uh, maybe develop uh, appreciation for you know the pe people who really uh, uh, know what they're doing. Exactly, you would mm -hmm. hope so because I mean, doing is learning, no matter if you know it already or not. Mm -hmm. But every time you embark on a new endeavor that requires your earnest mm -hmm. and sincere input, you will walk away with some new knowledge. Mm -hmm. I mean, for as long as I've been doing music. I still am able to glean some form of otherworldliness mm. out of my output by doing it with, you know, certain sets of people mm. or a certain way. Mm. And the other thing is, I'm not necessarily a very, uh, how would you say, I'm not open to suggestion. Mm. You know, it's like if I'm working on something and I don't really know where it's going, suggest for days, please. Mm. But if I come to the table and say, okay, I'm going to do this today, shut up and let me do it. Mm. Because mm. nothing you can say or do is going to change my vision mm. for that moment. If I'm done with it and I think that it could be taken to another level, I will ask. Yeah. You know, but for the most part, I think that a lot of artists are like this as well. They have their vision, they know how to get there, mm. and 
any outside influence is more distraction as opposed to influence. Well, this is the very interesting, you know, Jonathan uh, and me uh, and Merete. Yeah, you haven't met Merete because she's near. Uh, you're running the gallery. We we all of a sudden, you know, we deal a lot with this. You know, we invite artists to do things, and of course, we're all trained artists, so we know exactly what's happening. But we really have to step on the brake to 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 make of that course. space. So our job is more to in in this in this context, you know, with this hat on, you know, the gallery's mm-hmm. hat on, is to make a space where where the artists can you know can can flourish or can uh, yeah can it express can create and and or you know or can can show uh, yeah but I mean. It's it's still uh, you know still as a, as a gallery you have also ideas and you also have experience of stuff that doesn't doesn't work and and does work right mm-hmm. and so uh, and your you, your interest is to do you know as shows that are you know as good as possible right exactly and so you would hope so, <laughs> you would hope yeah mm-hmm. but I mean these can feel sometimes conf- conflicting right and, of course and so it's a very interesting I think it's a very interesting and humbling tension as well. Humbling is a good word Mm. Mm. because there's definitely not enough humble on the planet right now. (laughs) There's definitely not enough humble. We could go for some more humble, so maybe grow a humble forest. (laughs) That would be cute. A humble forest. (laughs) A humble forest. What? I think you just gave me a concept. Uh, A humble forest. uh, Please work with it. I like that yeah. term, a humble forest. Uh-huh. Where is I have It's in your jacket, I think. I have a no, I have a special pin that I write with. Hold on a second. A humble forest. That's really good. I've never even thought about that before. I've hmm. heard of a, a what is it called? A silent forest? Has something to do with yeah, the forestation. Yeah, but a humble forest has a lot of sound in it. There are, I mean, a lot of suggestion of sound. Yeah. Just the, 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 I don't know. Oh, right, John. Maybe I, I, I sound. I shouldn't, I shouldn't forget that. Though. That's, that's kind of good. Mm. I'm looking for a title for this one LP. What's that? Oh, that's your phone. It's my bird. Okay. so unprofessional this is I think the second or third time in the podcast my phone goes off mm-hmm. <laughs> it's only the first time yeah th- this one but in other podcasts oh, yeah. I did that. <clears throat> it's my wife asking if I will be long we have a dinner appointment later so okay mm-hmm. and the babysitter's coming no the baby's coming with okay good <laughs> so the baby's his own babysitter <laughs> yeah uh, yeah mm-hmm. And where were we after uh, before the humble forest? Um, we were on some album. Mm. I don't know which one. Fisher Fest, maybe. Yeah, Fisher Fest was the last one we were talking about. Um, 
let's see and then we have um uh, yeah that that's the i say the the rarest we have i think right that one is the rarest second rarest will probably be the stars of stadel yeah or for albums yeah and then like the singles yeah. obviously Carthix, and then um next single would probably be hannah's there's this one uh the yes white cover with a with a tilted picture on there yes I always forget who it's by. Do you have the back cover? Yeah, I got the back cover too. I'll I'll see what it says. Because um, I picked that up. I went to go see. There's Dignity Sisters. No, wait, this is this the Crystal Flowers. Yes, that's it. And there's oh, Carl Holmquist. Yes, he's a Norwegian guy. Is, is he Norwegian? Norwegan? I thought he was Danish or something or Swedish. Carl Holmquist. But he's an amazing orator. Mm. You know his work? He he writes poetry and he performs it, but like a real like a real poet, you know what I mean? It's like, mm. it's, he... Yeah, I might mix him up with another Carl. Um, this, the name sounds very familiar, at least. Now he's based in Berlin. He's been there for a few years. I mean, at least a decade that I know of, if not longer. Mm. And um, we're actually supposed to do something together at the behest of Robert McKinsey mm. of Sandwich Magazine. Now he's living in New York too. He's um, he's an artist as well, but he's working for a collector mm. whose name escapes me completely. I've never met this lady, mm. but you know, it's good work, I guess. Mm. Keeps him busy. Keeps him very busy. I never hear from him. <laughs> That's good. But he's he's one of my one of my biggest supporters and definitely pushes the envelope and yeah. makes me think in different ways. And yeah. I listen to him because he has good ideas. Yeah. And he's much younger than me, but that's okay. That has nothing to. Nothing. That has, nothing has to absolutely no. nothing to do with it. No. That's why when people say, "Oh, you know, you're getting older," and blah blah, it's like you know what. When you start believing that kind of shit, that's what fucks you up, you know? And it's like, yeah, sure, I'm the same age as a lot of people my age, but I just don't take it the same way, you know? No, you have have actually the choice on how how to deal with your life. You don't have to behave like, you know, whatever people say you have to behave like. And what is norm anyway? Mm. What is norm? I mean, what's normal for you but might be completely absurd and I mean, weird for, for others. Yeah, but for a lot of people, the norm is you know, a convenient way to, to I mean, deal with the world. So it's the easy way out. Yeah. I've never taken the easy way out. Yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. And David Liska, I've heard about. David Liska, that's what I wanted to tell David you. Liska, yeah, David I, Liska is the guy who owns Matthew Gallery and Dial Records. Yeah. I, you know what we worked with him. I I worked in his that's right yeah that's where I know him from. I I I met him once because we did um uh, I worked at a space in the Netherlands called Artist and Boss, mm-hmm. and and uh, we produced the show with him there. Yes, with David Liska. Yeah. That's right. He has a. I don't remember what the show was called. I should have to look that up. But yeah, yeah. So I. Uh, that's where now now I remember. He's him. actually got um. 
he actually has a DJ career as well. Mm. Yeah, but the name is different. Mm. It's a different name. I can't remember. Yeah, the name. but he came. He, you know, he did a music-related uh, performance uh, installation thingy or organi- at at the gallery mm-hmm. I was working there. And when that record with the the sticker mm. sideways on it, he did the cover. Yeah. Because the cover isn't done. You get the cover. You get the record, and then you can put the sticker on anywhere you want, kind of a thing. Yeah. And so he did it because he only had one copy left. Yeah. For me, I went to the gallery and picked up that, and a couple of other pieces. There's a compilation that has um, Stefan Cherapin and Sergei Jensen on it, mm-hmm. and Yuta Kuta, and these are all also people I tried to get stuff from solo. Yeah. But I, like for example, Sergey is running around so much. Sergey Cherepin. Well, Stefan Stefan Cherepin, who is like the great grandson of the Russian composer, but the same name. Okay. And he might. I have to check with. I have to check with uh, Jonathan because mm. I know stuff came in the mail. Yeah. In the past two days. Yeah. Yeah, it probably, uh, 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 yeah, we have to pick it up on Monday, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine, because, I mean... That's how records still works, right? The, right, exactly. Yeah. Stuff records go in and records go out. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I, some, of the, some of them were like, oh, did it get there in time? And it's like, well, it might have, but I couldn't even go to my own opening. Mm. So, mm. that really fucked me up. That was really... Uh, I don't worry about it. We had a fantastic opening. Yeah, I wanted to be there, though. Yeah. Yeah. I was there in spirit. Yeah, that, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That night, though, I mean, that was really. Oh my God! Yeah. yeah. Well, that's how it goes. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I think it was that same night that I ended up in the hospital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm in the hospital that night. Yeah. I'm never sick, and all of a sudden this year has just been one thing after the other, and it's not even, this is barely April. Mm. <laughs> well, hopefully it gets warm, and I mean, that that often helps. Anyhow. Well, also, I think that I've been running around a hell of a lot, and in Paris it was day and night studio, mm. you know, like bam, bam, bam. But bam, I mean, that, that's also what happens if you're suddenly in a different situation, and you, you know, you, you don't have the same rush or the same stuff to do that you normally have to do, you just wind down and your yeah. body your body actually reacts oh great I can we can relax now and I just throw all yeah all yeah mm. because I mean they didn't have any idea they looked at me and they took they took my blood and everything mm. they, they couldn't find anything wrong with me and I was mm. like but I uh, still feel like there's something in my lip yeah but like I said I've been double dosing the antibiotics <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't normally take them so I figure what the hell I can yeah. knock myself out for a couple of days yeah. you know I want them all to be gone before I get on the plane yeah. anyway so yeah. I better check to see when that goes tomorrow yeah just to be on the safe side so I know when to leave yeah but yeah hmm. I mean I like talking to you keep going it's, it's super more. nice yeah ask me more I was really looking forward to this talk actually. oh that's yeah. sweet uh, I appreciate that. Uh, no, I mean, I really enjoy talking to you because, I mean, you open up a, a completely different world to me I, I'm not so familiar with. You know, I mean, oh. the, the, uh, I've always been an appreciator of, of, 
of music, but I never really dove in. Like Jonathan, he really, he really, you know, reads up about thing and he listens to stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. he had his own radio show. Well, even you know, for me, you know. I went to you know I went to to these these obscure parties in the Netherlands you know in these quarter buildings and stuff mm -hmm. like that, listening to crazy music and whatnot. So I always had, uh, I say, a, a link to these kind of different kind of types of music, but and I don't have the the names or the knowledge or the, the any of that. And, and, you know, one of the reasons to do podcasts is to again to to check out stuff you don't know that well, to, right? You know, and to to share share that. You know? Oh, that's cool. Mm. Well, I mean, I, all I can say is as much as it's it definitely an honor because when Jonathan asked me, I was thinking, what can I do? <laughs> 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 what can I do? I don't know how to paint. I don't know how to sculpt anything. Uh, I'm a horrible photographer. <laughs> uh, you know, the only thing, the only graphics I ever do are like from some of my records mm -hmm. and or some of the Whirlpool albums I did the graphics for too. But mm. for the most part, I'm not necessarily a visual artist. I can't even, I mean, whenever I would do any handwritten papers for school or whatever, I had to rewrite them two or three times because nobody could read them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but the funniest thing is, as, as screwed up as my penmanship is, I lost my passport once. Well, no, I lost it three times in one week. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You had to redraw it. <laughs> well, no. I had to sign for it yeah. because yeah, I was yeah. in Europe. And she said, oh, that's interesting. I was like, what? And she said, your signature has been the same since you were seven years old. She could see that? She could see that. First of all, I was freaked out that she could see that. Yeah. Second of all, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I got to read <laughs> Seven years old. And wow. I was already in my 30s. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, wait a second. How could my... Wow. Pimmons should be the same. And she said, well, we have it on record from, you know, when you was, you had a checking account when you were seven. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I did. And wow. they keep everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the reason why, you know, I have some friends that say, oh, I don't use Skype because, you know, it's owned by Microsoft or it's not safe. Or but they still own a phone. They still, you know. I, I mean, mean, if you plug anything into a wall. Mm for any reason whatsoever, you can forget security. Mm. Well, my mom had a good example, but you know, in the, when she was growing up, she, she had some friends who, who did, or, you know, I mean, there were some, in the small town I lived, there was a couple of people who were doing, you know, a bit of Dutchy stuff, and mm -hmm. she somehow was, you know, she just knew them, I mean, because everybody knew them, and she came into the police station, uh, and she was getting, I mean, for questioning or whatever, mm -hmm. and they knew everything about her. This was before anything, right? And they mm -hmm. knew everything about her. So mm -hmm. I mean, uh, guess what they know now? They know they know not only. I mean, this is what they're probably working on. They're not knowing even what you do now, but what you will do next. Mm -hmm. right? And that's. I mean, that's. When you think about the fact that okay, my sister-in-law, she is a beta tester for like major programs. Mm -hmm. I was like, my brother works for a, for a um, company that does a monitoring of 96% of all telecommunications on the continent that mm. they live on. Mm. It means Canada, America, and Mexico. Mm. So she was working for the same company, but she beta tests the things. He writes the things. Mm -hmm. 
And she, after she left that company, she got a freelance job working for the Department of Corrections, mm -hmm. which is basically prison. Mm -hmm. And they were running a computer system on a language that I've heard of mm -hmm. when I was in elementary school. Mm-hmm. Like some kind of computer program that was for offices in the 70s. MS-DOS or something. Silly Older like than that. Yeah, what was it? Uh, yeah, anyways. And they're still running that mm. in the state of California. The problem is they can't, it's so hard to switch. I heard the same. So they, they have an architecture, for, uh, I say software architecture. Right. And they build upon that and, and fix it. And then the system gets so complex that they can't get off the, off the system. Because exactly. that would mean you know, they had to shut down. Exactly. So they probably knew more about you then than they do now. Because they can't find it anymore. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so if you're smart, yeah. you can use that to your advantage. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just unbelievable to me that they would even, they wouldn't think to do mm. a, more, a, a better upgrading system that would allow them to see what was actually happening but these like, things are coming that's or they are already there and they they're already there i mean it's just waiting for them to figure out how to use them mm -hmm. you know yeah. unbelievable mm -hmm. well they they partly figure out that the first time i ran into a program like that i thought i thought i okay you know sometimes i'm thinking you know like we talk now we have a conversation you think about things oh wouldn't it be be cool to kind of connect all these things and figure stuff out right connect all database and sure enough like a month later I, I was had this conversation you know I found a company called Palantir which actually does this you know Palantir Palantir like seeing stone from the Lord of uh -huh. Rings so it's called like that I mean it's it's fiction seeping into reality which is basically you know you put several databases together so you can see you know what emails people are sending where money comes from so it's re really easy to kind of uh, find people who do fraudulent business for mm. example but you can use it all centralized kind of, yeah it basically combines all kinds of databases mm -hmm. in a in a in a, a simple interface which is easy right. to work with because i mean this is a very important thing you know if you have to dig through very complicated procedures to get to your information you know you don't bother right yeah uh, or you you will bother if it's very very important but you know you will have to use a lot of resources for that so you know it will be limited what you can do but you know these are so easy to use that you you know you just you just see how the the, the lines connect and and, and wow. you, know, you know and this is just the top of the iceberg mm -hmm. and this is just what gets to consumer level mm -hmm. right and exactly. consumer level in this case is 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 uh, governments and big corporations exactly. and, and and whatnot right and uh, and and this is what they they tell you, but you know behind the scenes, of course, they they got much more complicated, or you know much oh, more. Oh, would you? You should. Did you? Did you? I sent a song to Jonathan mm. called "Vinyl Never Died." Yeah, like the title for the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I should give it to you so you can get. It's a, I just did it for the show, really. Oh wow. So you guys can use it as background music for this. It doesn't. Oh. It's like a ballad. It doesn't really change. What What I'll do, um, I'll put it at the start of the podcast. I'll start the podcast with that song. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure he has it because I know I sent it to him. 
either as an MP3 or a WAV file. MP3 is fine, though. I mean, mm. it just I don't know why people make the big difference because none of the machines they listen on sound good anyway. So, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh. of course, if it's, of course, the better equipment you use, the better sound quality you get and all of that. But I've never been a big... F- I'm, I, I'm, I'm a big lover of lo-fi. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> You've just got my vote of confidence. I was listening lo-fi. I had like crappy cassette players. You know, I, I played a bit guitar, so I taped all my mm-hmm. music I, I, I tried to do. And, you know, we just... With it on a crappy guitar, on a crappy amplifier, yeah, exactly. Taping with a crappy tape desk, fantastic, you know. And and I was was a big fan of 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 the punk genre, you know, just because, yeah, it you know it, it wasn't about you know, this song. I do appreciate sound. I love. I, I appreciate good sound quality too. But like wrong, at the man. same time, I like my. I like, for example, some of the reggae stuff that you hear is like technically is completely wrong mm. but it wouldn't be right if it was done right it would just wouldn't have the right puissance i don't know who brought, brought it or where i heard it or maybe i read it somewhere heard it somewhere had it in conversation you know if you get all these these x-factor programs and all that bullshit right a person like bob dylan for example would never get through right you know uh, john lennon it. forget about they probably it, wouldn't yeah. even take chaka khan no you know, I mean, they don't, because, I mean, Chaka Khan wasn't really, as much as people love her nowadays, mm. they considered her to be screaming more than singing, mm. you know, and it's true, she does not, she does not necessarily sing when it comes to, like, emoting, she really belts some notes that aren't on any solfege, mm. you know, those are Chaka notes, mm. those are her notes. Don't even try to go there, mm. you know, because you're going to sound like a fool. Yeah. <laughs> Chaka sounds great, you know, but, and that's the thing, like, you know, for example, like playing and stuff like that, like I could have, my little concert thing last couple of weeks ago, I could have easily come out and play. I mean, I played a couple of things that they could have recognized, yeah. some things, movie soundtrack things primarily, yeah. but for the most part, I guess it gets like we were talking. It's like it's like it's boring yeah. because everybody their brother does it. And the other night we were at the Letizia Hotel in Paris, mm-hmm. just the night before I left, mm-hmm. and we were in the bar, which is connected to a lounge, but it's still separated by a wall, mm-hmm. and there's a door and everything. And some guy comes in, like you know, bald back to here with a ponytail. And I was like, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> and sure enough, he was a pianist. And sure enough, the first thing he played was, I don't know, like, my way. Hey. You know what I mean? And it was just like, oh. And everybody at my table was like, Eric, make me, just make him stop. Go play. You go play. You go play. I'm like, I can't take that man's job. No. You know, I can't do that. That's disrespectful. No, he wouldn't that, do it to me. That's super hurtful. You know, I wouldn't you, do it to anybody. Because what you do, you'll make visible how miserable, you know, what kind of miserable yeah, position he's in. That's not nice. I'd feel terrible uh. for that poor guy. He'd probably go home and kill himself that night. Uh. I, I couldn't live with that on my conscience. Uh, no, it's not you worth know? it. I'd no. rather listen to the elevator music for half an hour and then it's like, okay, yeah. let's leave. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Exactly, you can always leave. You right? can always yeah. leave. I remember once I was DJing at some club, and some dumb bitch, she did not know who she was dealing with, came to me and said, I don't like the music. I don't like any other music you're playing. 
I said, here's five euro, take a taxi and go home. Mm. You can't live too far. Yeah. Because the club was in a bad neighborhood, so I yeah. wanted to diss her. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Huh. So here's the money to take a taxi. And then the bitch stayed until the end of the night and told me she liked it. Yeah, of course she did. At the end of it, she was like, I'm so sorry. I really liked your music. I said, well, you should have thought about that before you pissed me off. <laughs> yeah. Because now there's no coming back from that. Yeah. You know, you should have yeah. thought about what you said before you said it, honey, because... But, I mean, your reaction made her listen. Maybe that's it. Because uh, she probably came in expecting something. Her expectations were, you know, dissatisfied. So, you know, and she, she felt the need to tell you. And then, you know, she didn't, re she didn't you know, expect a reaction. And then she suddenly started listening. And, you know, maybe I opened it up It happens a lot, yeah. though. It happens a lot, though, when people come and they say, well, can you play this? Can you play? So first of all, no. I don't take requests. Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't this isn't a sandals resort. But then you have to do the, the DJ. Uh, you know, like, like, hey, now you listen <laughs> to <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to... Uh, yeah, yeah, there's free beers in the lounge. You know, exactly, five. exactly. And here we have some more, by yeah. the way. In five minutes, we're going to do the ring dance. <laughs> Get your pillows out. Oh, my God, oh, no. Oh. I can't do that, no. you know, and I refuse. I mean, that's the... I mean, that's for DJing when I was, like, 15. Mm. And... It was primarily DJing between bands. Yeah. Because I was playing in a live venue. And so when the bands would break down and reset up, they would have to have music, otherwise people would leave. Mm. So I would just play stuff in between that. And it turned into people started going up to the owner and say, whatever that guy's playing in the middle, you should have him play more. Yeah. So then it would be like an hour before the concert started. I would have you to started do it. playing, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, they would do it so like, you could do live music, you couldn't do live music after 10 o'clock. Yeah. Or something like that. Even in Sacramento, it was like that. Oh, yeah. And, or 11 o'clock maybe. But they didn't really have a law. Against DJing? So yeah, yeah, and I mean, we were three times as loud as the bands. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> You know, and so they said, okay, well, we're going to stay open until closing, until the liquor stops, yeah. and you just play records. Yeah. And that's basically how it started, yeah. you know. And then sometimes, I remember one time, English Beat, or the Beat, I can't remember what they were calling themselves then, but they had a song, Tenderness, who needs this tenderness? I don't know. I don't know. It was Rankin Roger and David Wakeling. Mm. They had a band called The English Beat or The Beat or something like that. And they came, and I was at Soundcheck because I liked that song. Mm -hmm. And I knew their band before. It was more ska, more straight up, like, you know, root ska. And I liked it, so I wanted to see them at Soundcheck. And they were really cool. I should chat with them. Mm -hmm. And the sound engineer was a little bit under the weather. Then... By the time the concert came around, he didn't leave the hotel room. He yeah. was so sick, he couldn't. So they asked me if I would mix sound for them. Yeah. Never touched a mixing board in my life. Wow. <laughs> and all of a sudden, here I am mixing sound for like a 15-piece ska band. Wow, yeah. Live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not even in the studio where you can cover up your mistake. Or, yeah, where you can. Yeah. You know, and I just said, yeah, sure, I can do it. I had no idea what I was doing. Mm. I just said, okay, as long as it's not feeding back mm -hmm. and you can hear the bass and the lead vocalist, I yeah. think I'll be okay. Yeah. And that's what I did. At the end of it, they offered me a, they offered me 
a job to continue the rest of the Europe, uh, the American tour, yeah. and to go on tour with them through England. Wow. I was 16. Wow. And I was so excited. I came home and told my parents, yeah. and they were not excited at all. <laughs> not in the least. Not, in, not even a little bit. You know, I was like, okay, well, I guess that's not going to happen. And so it didn't happen, but... Yeah. You know, but nonetheless, it, it yeah, it it, it made you, it yeah. made me feel like okay. Oh wow, this is actually you know, this is actually something I could do. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I don't necessarily do live bands anymore, but I have done. I did a salsa band in Cologne, mm. Tito Nieves, because the sound editor was so bad. Mm. He was so bad. I mean, he couldn't mix horns. Mm. Like, how hard is it to mix horns? It's like horns you can hear off stage without amplification. Mm. So how can you not mix them well on a desk? Mm. He had two bass players that were playing. One was a stand-up bass yeah. and one was an electric bass. Yeah. And I said, plug the electric directly into the thing to hold the bottom together. And then I'll mic the stand-up bass yeah. so we can have accents. Because yeah. nobody was slapping. It wasn't funk. Yeah. It was salsa. You know, and Tito Nieves at the at his first encore back on stage, he found out my name, mm -hmm. and he said, "By the way, we're gonna give a big shout out to our new sound engineer." <laughs> I was like, "Damn, oh, shit. damn. <laughs> that's kind of nice." But you know, it was like now everybody in Cologne thinks I'm a sound engineer. It's like that's a, that's that DJ guy who always falls asleep at the turntables. <laughs> Only when he plays Satie. He only plays Satie. DJ only plays Satie. Whatever. You know, his waltzes and mazurkas. And I got busted in Germany for playing marches. <laughs> they were not happy. Oh, they were not happy. But I said, marches are just like, this is like house music. Yeah. It's yeah. straight, four to the floor, you know. Yeah. It's like, it was Keep like, them feet moving. Mm hmm. I don't understand why they were freaked out. Mm. But anyway. Mm. But yeah. So what else do we have to cover? Do we need to talk about something else? I think we can go endless, endless uh, talking about stuff. But uh, I think we're over the two-hour mark. How long do you normally do them? Uh, how long they are. Okay. I don't, I don't cut them. I just get them out. Oh, that's sweet. Because, uh, you know, first of all, I don't want to... I'm not a... I say sound cutter, sound engineer. No, you don't need to be. And I think, you know, I mean, that's why I say it, it's much more a conversation. So, you know, in the conversation, you know, sometimes you sound stupid, sometimes you sound smart, but it's more about the, the whole, mm -hmm. as soon as you start, uh, you know, assembling it, you, you start to construct stories. Well, yeah, and then when you start doing that, then you might as well be doing a reality show. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And that's not why I'm doing this. So, mm -mm. also, I just put it out. And it's going to be posted on... Um, Demon's like, mouth or uh, no no I have to um, I, uh, it's called the Frito show because I couldn't couldn't come up with a better name but <laughs> but so so I'll send you the link and stuff uh, so you can, uh, can indubitably stay. yeah so uh, now I got a SoundCloud SoundCloud account which I you know well, that's good because I can repost I mean I'll mm. definitely repost because a lot of people were wondering mm. it's like what are you doing yeah I mean, it's like yeah. gallery in Oslo yeah. and records and but I want to do it again because now after pulling together I mean a lot of this stuff I had already yeah but I just needed more so I could present yeah, to it to develop it further yeah you yeah. know I just yeah. needed more to so I could have something to produce here yeah 
but a lot of obviously I have the Karthik and the Feshafesh Fesh stuff and yeah. I have also the Hana stuff there's a few things that I don't necessarily have that I wouldn't mind having if they don't get sold yeah. but um, <laughs> it's all about the public first I'm, I'm, yeah. I want to keep the public happy yeah. but I want to do it again because I do know some collectors in the States that have never really done anything with their collections and yeah. they're getting to the age now where they don't want to keep moving stuff around yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. So I'm going to see if I can get into some older get archives and yeah. Yeah. get some really, it's like really classy shit. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of well, stuff out there. Yeah, definitely. Let, let's keep talking about this. Let's keep this, uh, you know. I would love to do it yeah. again. Yeah. You know, to really do it in a, um, with even more, even more established and older material. Yeah. You know. Like maybe even, awesome, yeah. maybe even go into like notation because I know a lot of art. Excuse me, a lot of artists like Yusuf Kirka did a um, exhibition at the Chinsia Friedlander Gallery, which was he actually did a musical piece based on some software program that's still changing. One of the earlier ones, I think it's like the Linux. Mm-hmm. I think it's the Linux. Yeah, the Linux is is that's an open source one. So that right, that. and I think he up until the time that the show came up, mm-hmm. he had taken all of their code from the beginning to present mm-hmm. and translated it into some form of like, you know, Mike Mike Riley type music mm-hmm. thingy, and or I always get them confused. Teddy Riley was the new Jack Swing producer. And M- Michael Riley, I think, is the name of the experimental music art guy. I wouldn't know. I can't remember. I mean, I get. I mean, I'm pretty good with the names, but generally only when I know the person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that helps. And it definitely helps. There's so many names too to, to I mean, remember. You know, I mean, I have like five thousand people on that Facebook page, mm. and people always say, "Oh, Eric, can you post? Can you?" Post? I was like, "If you ask me, one, if anybody else asks me again, I'm going to delete the fucking page. Am I the yeah. only person that you know with five thousand people on their page?" Yeah. Because it drives me crazy. Yeah. And because you, just because you have all those people up there does not mean that even ten percent of them are going to come to anything. No. You know, you post stuff, and you put things out there. Even if you put it across various platforms, mm-hmm. and you say maybe you reach seven thousand, eight thousand, nine thousand people, mm-hmm. you'll be lucky if point five percent. Uh, shows up, yeah. If point, yeah, point five of one percent shows up yeah. of those people, yeah. and nine times out of ten, they don't show up. They'll send people that they know to come yeah. or something like that. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, you know we we have to deal with this now. You know how to how to uh, publicize and you know we had a lot of rounds and of course we use several platforms, but we're basically unhappy with any of them. You because know, I mean. There, the thing I would really love to do is send handwritten personal letters to people. But, I mean... You know, Chinsia still does that. Mm. I still get in the mail from Chinsia, sometimes from Daniel as well. Mm. You see, do I get... No, it's more Chinsia. Chinsia Friedlander, she's constantly sending... Mm. A f- you know, I get a little card in the mail. It's nice. It's usually embossed on two sides. Mm. You know, even if you... 
I mean, I make effort to go there. Mm, yeah. the, ga- the, the gallery is not necessarily in a place where I normally hang out or anything yeah. like that. But I know if I go, I'm, I'm going to see certain people. Yeah. And, you know, it's going to be nice because she actually took the time to make a card. Yeah. Like, Pear made the card for me yeah. for, for this. Yeah. It was so nice. Yeah. You know, it just feels so it makes nice. It, it makes it different. And, and I mean, I mean... Uh, to be honest, you know, how do you decide yourself to go anywhere, right? I go, I go when I have the time, right? Mm-hmm. I say, okay, tonight I'm gonna do. What's up? What's happening? Yeah. And then you check out what you what, check it out. You might call a friend or two that maybe know, and yeah. then and then you go, and and, the, and it has basically nothing to do with who's showing or who's who's doing what because. You know, your time is so limited. Yeah, right? and if you really want to go to the show, you don't go on the opening. No, you know, no. you go the day after. So you can actually see it and enjoy it, or mm-hmm. the opening is really to socialize. Yeah, and I you know, it's it's a I think a very important and also a very fun part. But it's, it's a very it's fun a, part. It's a very different part. It's, yeah. a, it's totally mm-hmm. different, and it's mm-hmm. not, no, it's not something that I mean it's not something that I look down upon, mm-hmm. but I just find it awfully strange that people think that just that they have to be there. Right? Th- yeah, they have like this virtual entity, mm-hmm. and they, people forget the key operative in that is the word virtual Mm. hello Mm. it does not mean real Mm. you know so just because you put it out virtually doesn't mean you're really going to get anything back (laughs) you know it drives me batty but at the same time what can you do it's part of our reality now so we it's part of the reality but it's still virtual yeah yeah i'm sorry it can't be anything but and I always, I'm always surprised by people, especially people that I thought wouldn't think like that, mm-hmm. who think that, oh, you know, you have so many people on your page, you know, post this, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, it doesn't bring anything, honey. I mean, they're just there because they're nosy. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, on these on these social medias or, or in any, you know, even... I read a lot of blogs, for example. I mm-hmm. think I read about a hundred different blogs, so I get I read five hundred blog posts every day, or I scan five hundred mm-hmm. blog posts, right? And just do the calculation. You know, I maybe sit an hour in the evening before I go to bed, just go through them. Um, you know, so it takes me like a fraction of a second to see a cluster of six. You know, mm-hmm. on these tablets, a cluster of six blogs. You know, I open maybe ten of them, right? And you know how much time you're gonna spend on them. You just scan them. If it's interesting, you read the article or you watch the video. If 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 it, and then you go on to the next one. Right. So even if you saw it, seen it, you know it doesn't doesn't do it. I save a lot of two two for later times. You know when I can go through them again. Yeah, when you have time other. to actually. Yeah. But that that list is growing. So I mean, you know, I mean, my archive as such is growing and growing of of stuff I think I find interesting. But so far, I haven't had the time to really deal with them, right? So it's this catch twenty two, or, or, mm-hmm. or so. Even if you post something in this virtual world, you know, and, and even people are gonna see it, you know, it doesn't mean it it has has the impact or it has the the ramifications you want it to have, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, in the end, uh, what works best is you know you have the time and you stumble upon something, right? That's it, and 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 that's enough, right? There was a good site called Stumble Upon. Hmm. There used to be a good site. It was, um, it was kind of like anything. Wasn't it a site where you just clicked and it, and and it put you anywhere? 
Something yeah. like that, but you could put in criteria of what you could be looking for, yeah. and it would just give you a, a list of things. Yeah. And then, yeah, you would decide what it is you would, what were interested in. But it was called Stumbled Upon. Yeah. But it, it, this I'm is like, quite an old site, I think. But, yeah, old. I don't think this was just, before Tumblr and... and oh, way and before all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, I, I do rem- remember recalling something about oh, I've had an email. I've had my email. I've had a email address since... 91. Mm. And yeah. there was nobody the email. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> Sending emails between your eight addresses. You know, like, it was like yeah. the only thing you could get was like, yeah. you, could get, you could get on forums. Yeah. Where it was mostly colleges or medical students or yeah. whatever like that. But, I mean, yeah, there was all, there wasn't even any ads. No. I remember going to internet cafes and sitting down for hours Mm. just chatting with like people or social studies mm-hmm. or doing demographic studies or something mm-hmm. colleges and there were no ads yeah you had more ads on minitel in france than you did on the internet yeah. when you went anywhere and look at it now it's sad what's happened because there's no alternative no, and now really there's no alternative that's the sad yeah. thing it's like there was an always there's always been an alternative mm. but it seems like people's creativity has either stopped or stagnated because they're satisfied with what they have right now yeah. Yeah. it's kind of weird yeah. I don't necessarily agree with that no I, I completely don't agree with it but I think it's interesting nonetheless because it I mean it it is a real moment in time where you know where things don't really work as as they mm-hmm. ever did before, right? And it's basically nobody really knows anymore how how it really works. And I think that's that's super interesting because then you know then we're gonna make big mistakes and big discoveries and big changes and let's we hope, have to let's hope the changes are coming because mm-hmm. it seems like we've kind of gotten to a level now where yeah. it's like everything. But I mean, you have to keep. I mean, just uh, as I said, I read a lot of blogs, a lot of science blogs too, mm-hmm. right? I mean, just the discoveries which come out every day. I mean, it. It's you can't keep up. I mean, just mind-boggling. One, one, ex- one, one of these discoveries would kind of keep you flabbergasted for weeks. In, exactly. You know, a, a, a exactly. Ten years back, but now I mean, there's ten of them, so you, you don't have the time to be flabbergasted about them. No. Right? So because uh, there's going to be something else coming out within the next ten, fifteen right. minutes. And so, so it will will take us a couple of decades to digest actually where we're where yeah. we're where we're. But that's are. the same with these machines. Mm. I mean, you know, we've replaced so many machines. Mm. But we never actually use the ones that we've replaced to their fullest in- no. t- intent. We didn't have the time to do that. No. no. I mean, it's like people are always buying new phones. I have a later version of one of these. Mm. But this one was only this broken, and it still works perfectly fine. Mm. The other one was more broken, and it worked for about a year. And then one day to, from it's one minute to the next, it just stopped. Yeah. This one hasn't done that. Yeah. But this one... I can't get any updates for. No, no, no. They stopped that. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. And the same with my same with my Mac Mini. Can't yeah. update it anymore. Yeah. And everybody says, "Oh, you can just do that." I said, "Don't you understand?" Nobody understands because nobody has a. a, a yeah. Camera. First of all, that. And second of all, they don't understand because they just don't think that anybody does things that way anymore. Mm. It's mm. completely ridiculous. The world has become brainwashed. Mm. Uh, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, on that uh, on that uh, note, shall we? Uh, 
Yeah, we're only going down to the gallery. Yeah, yeah, we'll walk down to the gallery. But just let's uh, let's close this uh, podcast. Okay. Off. Well, thank you for having. Uh, or thank, you know, great that you would wanted to come on this podcast. I yeah, really I love it. it. I love that you guys invited me up here. Yeah, great that you came down to the show to do the show. Yeah, it's gonna be a big honor. It's an honor for me too because it's the first time I've ever done anything in a gallery. Mm. I mean, it's my 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 curate my curatorial debut, <laughs> <laughs> and I get to do something I know. That's really yeah. great. Yeah, I love it. Cool. All mm. right. Good. Thank you. Then. Uh, I'll just try to press this uh, 